this summer we're bringing you double koi gig. You know what happened? It was that we stopped talking and then people went down with the that, that was the it. problem. I needed the motivation of you slagging me every week to get good results and just imploded without that. Subscribe to the OTB Koi Gig pod on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, bang on half past seven this Thursday morning. We have tennis, we have rugby, we have football, transfer tittle tattle, we've got golf, we've got everything you want of a Thursday morning, including the inimitable Johnny Ward with us in the studio. Johnny, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. What's going on? Um, busy week for Irish football. Um, Tallow is very good. Tuesday night, over seven thousand people watched Shamrock Rovers. Um, guaranteeing action, I think, into August. I think for the brand of the League of Ireland, the viewing figures were good. Um, we often moan about like that RT should show more League of Ireland. Um, I think it kind of turns out that when they show European games, was far more of an interest than domestic stuff. Um, and that's I think that was borne out with very good figures uh, on Tuesday night. And I think people do take a big interest even if they're not necessarily League of Ireland fans yeah I think that there's a bit of chicken and egg if they were to put a bit more time and effort into showing the games and more people would be interested because they'd know more of the players and they'd get more of the storylines and it's kind of like you, the, the, definitely I think that like yeah. there is an element of that as well yeah. but um, I, you know I'd, I've kind of like I've been talking to people in TG Carr to see like could they uh, look into it as well I think you know it's not it shouldn't all be about the national broadcaster because you're basically John the Baptist for the league well, it needs one. It needs a messiah to come after you. You end up beheaded, but you know, yeah. for for the good of the game, well, you'd be willing to lay down your life, right? Yeah, I mean, there are, you don't get rich like being a League of Ireland journalist, or to be fair, but like I've always felt that the League of Ireland is kind of like, um, like Kurt Cobain said, he really loved becoming famous, but he hated being famous. And I think if the League of Ireland ever got really good. Like we'd actually pine for the days when it was like you would, you would, you would, you would. You would. You're, when it was like this is our league, you know, go home, yank, like kind of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's always a bit strange when uh, like there's massive interest and like you go to Sherman Groves games now, it's regularly seven thousand people there. So it is becoming like it's becoming a thing in Tala that you a lot of the locals go and watch Sherman Groves and it's a nice stadium and the quality of the football is really good. Like so, it kind of is the best of the league of Ireland. And tonight's big night. Yeah, like it's so it's the Conference League. Derry City are in uh, playing at home against Riga. Um, so it's Rory Higgins' first sort of um, shot at European football. Big, big uh, night for them. And Sligo Rovers uh, go to Bala Town. It's like a tiny little town on the Welsh English border. And the carrot for them is to play Motherwell in the next round, which would be a great tie, and they'd have a chance in. Um, and like uh, you know, the mass. I think like four hundred Sligo fans have gone over. Um, ground holes 1000 so it'll almost be like a home game and they should get the job done first leg tonight in Wales no pressure ok yeah. uh, the Ireland rugby team was named overnight uh, Hugo Keenan starts at full back Mac Hansen comes in on the wing and uh, James Lowe's on the other wing that means Keith Earls is out of the match day squad it's Robbie Henshaw and Gary Ringrose in the centres it is Jameson Gibson Park at 9 and Johnny Sexton is uh, captaining the team from 10 in the pack Andrew Porter Dan Sheehan Tyke Furlong is the front row Tyke Byrne and James Ryan are in the second row in the back row, unchanged, Peter Mahoney, Josh van der Fleer and Keelan Doris. And Keelan Doris is actually the, the picture that they've chosen to illustrate the um, match day team with. So uh, no pressure there. We've, we've, we're putting you out front and centre and we're reminding everybody that, um, you know, uh, from the bench, Jack Conan looked much better than you last week, Keelan. So but a bit of pressure and you're, you're the one that they choose to illustrate the picture with. The um, bench is a little bit stronger this week. Rob Herring, Keen Healy, Finley Bielham are the front row subs. Kieran Treadwell keeps his position. Jack Conan... Conor Murray, Joey Carberry and Bundy Aki, uh is on the bench for that one. We'll get uh, Alan Quinlan's thoughts on the team 
in about 10 minutes time I guess the point is that um, they're going for it again there's no risks being taken with this team it's like we yeah. are desperate for victory here yeah they, I guess they got to learn from the mistakes after a good start the last day and uh, I, I think the the out of things for me is still fascinating from somebody who kind of you know doesn't follow rugby day to day that they are like desperate for Sexton to start again and just haven't don't seem to have an answer if he's not playing um, because uh, you know he's had so many problems and I I just see it's it, it seems a strange indictment of 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 rugby in Ireland that we can't seem to find a solid alternative to Sexton and I don't know is that like to do with Carberry's role as a monster or whatever but I'd be interested to hear what Quinny says in that because I I grimace when I see like the the problems that Sexton's had on the pitch and the fact that he's still playing all the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, they've been unfortunate. Events mm. events have conspired against them to prevent their natural successor from being unavailable for selection. Mm. We could uh, put it that way. And then after that, there's a bunch of kids who are coming through who can't get any game time because um, the incumbent is still there and needs to play whenever the big games are on because they want to win. So it's... Um, I don't know, we, we, we were uh, idly speculating years ago that they should have bought London Irish and had a team in the Premiership and then, mm. I mean, you know, not to, not to talk about the war again, but they would then have the opportunity to play more players in Red that league, position. Yeah. Um, but it hasn't happened. So we get Quinny's thoughts on the team itself. You can uh, drop your comments on the YouTube stream. You can tweet us at Off the Ball AM, or of course, uh, you can text us 0879180180 is the WhatsApp number. Uh, right, I think we're ready to uh, talk some tennis, are we? We are? We are. Yeah. Sure, uh, Johnny. I was wondering what you were morning. doing here, actually. Yeah. Colin Bowie, good morning. Yeah. I could put you from here to, our, to our radio listeners. Yeah, and then doing. when you're shouting at us from behind All the glass, we hear you. Yeah. That's the problem, then I can't shout it to you, yeah, in yeah. your ear. Well, you, you Which could. I know you like me doing. You could. I, mean, I don't mind it. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of the. You're supposed to be able to listen to stuff in your ear and also talk at the same time. That's, that's the gig, Colin. Did you yeah. find like the radio slot more difficult when the, when the TV camera is like when you were being video? Did it change the dynamic for you? You couldn't pick your nose anymore. Is that well, what you're it's, talking about? It's it's just the the all seeing eye. It's that like it it is a different dynamic. It's like and you like people will pick up on whatever picking your nose or stuff like that or just like I don't know, looking looking tired or whatever. Mm. It, it changed the dynamic. Even though yeah. even though it's the same, effectively the same thing. Like there's no real difference. Oh, it's true. You're more on and you're less free because mm. you're conscious of two things then. How you sound and how you look. This is it, yeah. Wimbledon's been good. Huh? Wimbledon's been good. What happened in Wimbledon, anyway? Jeez, <laughs> uh, what's not happening, Johnny, will be quicker. So, it's been very, very competitive. Like, Nick Kyrgios, we, you know, we thought his ship had sailed for doing anything major in a Grand Slam. And here he is in his first ever Grand Slam semi-final, seven and a half years after reaching his last quarter-final in a Grand Slam. And he did it the hard way as usual, even though he won in straight sets yesterday against Christian Garin. Uh, that really should have gone to a fourth. That went to a, a third set tie break. Karina's playing the better tennis towards the end, and yet Kyrgios won in straight sets. How is the crowd in terms of when he's playing? Well, it's interesting. Well, uh, that was back to court one, which is a preferred court. He's not a big fan at centre. He played centre the other day against Brandon Nakashima of America, and he was a bit flat for the whole match. Uh, it's a bit more sedate on centre court and more lively in court one. And uh, they, were, they were kind of riling him up at times, and one guy actually towards the end of the third set... Kyrgios is about to serve and this guy from the crowd goes do the underarm <laughs> like he's some sort of circus freak and he just ignored it and did a normal serve but funnily enough it's Kyrgios serving is, it's what's got him to the last four like he's Djokovic actually said like his great friend Nova Djokovic said he's the best server in the game and he is and what he does is that he actually misses quite a few first serves but his second serve is pretty much just as good he's the best second server since Pete Sampras he's hitting 120 to 125 kilometers second serve aces 
just totally brave and doing it at like 30 odd 30 40 points really like I'm not talking like 15 love love 15 I'm talking like the business end of each game he doesn't care like he's happy to do the serving is but I find rate much different than on the second serve like to he has what well, he has about 115 aces at Wimbledon and he has double figures aces for second serves, wow. which is phenomenal. Wow. I mean, you might get one or two per tournament, and he's in double figures. But what I'm finding in the last two matches against Karina Nakashima is if the opponent returns his serve and the longer the rally goes on, he actually begins to struggle and goes in the back foot. So what would be really fascinating to see now is in the semi-final against Rafael Nadal if he can sustain his really impressive serving and then what he can do in the rallies because of course if anybody was watching yesterday Nadal against Taylor Fritz nearly retired injured twice and actually at one point his dad Sebastian was frantically waving in the uh, box in the family box being like he was gesturing to quit he was shake hands retire so Nadal ignored it and then for the rest of the match Refuse to look at him. Always ignore your father. Shut up, Dad. Yeah, I was. I was chatting with Emma Carroll earlier, and she was like, "Exactly that." It was like you never stop being the child mm. to your father, and Dad just ignored him for the rest of the match because he really wanted him to retire. And because you know, like his dad's thinking, like you've done it all. You've literally won the most Grand Slams ever. No, 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 no. You, know, no, you no, should retire. No, you should no, walk away. No, no, and then the dad was like, just the like Grand, you, Jer. Grand Slam is on this year. Just like you, he was like, no, no, I'm not retiring. But I really thought halfway through the second set, took off his bandana. Or his headband, sorry. And that would be good, actually. Sort of. Headbands, took it off, got up, and I thought, oh, he's, he's going to shake his hand. He's going to finish it. It's going to be a Fritz Kyrgios semi-final. And then he just normally was going off to get treatment. And he came back. And then the medic who was working with him was talking with him, and he just couldn't quite make it out. One thing's really annoying in this Wimbledon is that the BBC commentators keep on talking over the players when they're chatting and you can hear them so you just can't quite hear what they're saying generally Andrew Castle isn't it yeah Andrew Castle yeah. he's the one who's like shut up shut up for a second trying to hear what they're saying this is way more interesting you just can't quite hear what they're saying and I thought the medic was saying to Nadal what do you want to do and Nadal was saying I'll leave it a few minutes but he was grimacing and that was midway through the second set I thought I thought he was gone. Do you remember when even Eastwich like sets. went up to his dad after he won a Wimbledon? Like, oh, and it was like that would like absolutely melt you. Oh, uh, that was um, yeah. Like we thought that length, but that match last year because it was the twentieth anniversary, mm. and that was even Eastwich. He was like a wild card, wasn't Wimbledon, he? Yeah, year. first wild card to win Wimbledon, his fourth Wimbledon final, and his dad saying afterwards that he very like he thought he was going to have a heart attack towards the end of that last game with Pat Rafter. And they showed the, uh, the camera panned to his dad. Like mm. I'll never forget that in his dad. Well enough right now thinking of it. Oh, it's mm. amazing. I, I advise anyone to go down a YouTube hole this morning if you want to procrastinate or whatever you're doing in your life and watch that. Do you last want to be on YouTube if, if they're listening to us, Colin, they're already pounds. procrastinating. We know that. The heart pounds watching it. If you're made of stone, it might melt you a little bit. It's a beautiful moment. But for this Wimbledon, we could see an equally emotional moment if someone like Kyrgios reached the final considering... He was pretty much ruled out of contention for anything major because he just doesn't have the commitment to the game. He's a part-time player. He just like he just lives a normal life as best lives, he can. Well, he lives a normal life, but he's saying you know the one thing that he's done this year is basically caught himself on a bit in terms of his preparation towards professionalism. I mean, he was saying as recently as the 2019 Australian Open, he had suicidal thoughts, and he posted that on Instagram a couple of months ago, and there was pictures of him from that tournament, and he said, if you look closely, you can see in my wrist there's self-harm evidence that was only three and a half years ago and I remember that and actually he played Nadal at that Wimbledon three years ago and the night before he was in the local pub until 4am like that's ratified by loads of journalists who were there he said himself in the post-match press conference that day and he was like look I was in the pub till four this morning 
you know, and I think he took a set off Nadal that day, or maybe he lost the straights. Mm. I don't quite remember, but he did give him a bit of a game considering he was on the tear the night before. And so this is his first time playing Nadal since then. Look, but he's beaten Nadal at Wimbledon before, 2014, uh, in the fourth round. They were saying that there's no love loss between them, but then they didn't go into any details in the commentary yesterday. Yeah. But, well, in 2019, when they played, there was one moment where. Remember when City Pass hit the ball a few times at Kyrgios last Saturday night? Yeah. Well, Kyrgios did the same to Nadal. And of course, like Kyrgios was in a terrible state of mind at the time, as we've learned subsequently. And he tried to hit Nadal at the net in that match three years ago. And Nadal looked at him glaringly. You know, what are you doing? And he just, like Kyrgios would, is the antithesis to everything that Nadal does in his approach to the game. Like, he's so meticulous, the water bottles have to be facing out so everyone can see the label. He has all these twitches, which people would be well aware of if they've seen any Nadal match when he's serving. Hair behind the ears, he's twitching, he's touching everything. It's part of his process. Whereas Kyrgios can either bounce the ball 25 times or not bounce it at all and hit a serve. He'll just, he'll just change it up all the time. So that, that organisation and structure that Nadal has would absolutely wreck Kyrgios' head. But what he has said, he said in yesterday's press conference, is that we both have the utmost of respect for each other. Now, that was Kyrgios saying it. Nadal would probably say it publicly. I'm not sure what he thinks privately. But what was funny was Kyrgios said that this match, the semi-final, which will be happening tomorrow, it, his opinion will be the most watched tennis match of all time. Wow. Kyrgios is saying. Right. Quite the statement for a semi-final. Uh, you might be right though because it depends what time it, is it the second one yeah, uh, confirm that but it should be the second one yeah. so which means that there'll be they have less American time audience. than the other which is Novak Djokovic against Cam Nari uh, yeah which will be over in straight sets right I'd imagine so like it's, it's nice for Britain to have a semi-finalist again especially Andy Murray got knocked out early now you think about Cam Nari you like this big cyclist big into his environment lives around the corner from Wimbledon cycles to Wimbledon every day That's and class. back every other player gets a lift and gets an official into an official car he cycles the match comes he's, back he's, he's one of your your guys, Johnny. He's a he's say, a yeah. He's a he wants to save the planet. Guy. I saw I saw one of these like you know one of these like oh really inspiring little videos on Twitter yesterday, which just come up as if to say like this will make you happy if you watch enough of these. Where they they had like um, two kind of quite heavy little balls, one going like kind of a very flat track across this little bit of metal, and the other one going up and down like this. And basically, the one that went up and down, like with the little hills, moved faster because it was heavy and there was more gravity when it came down. Like that's that, first of all, and it, it was like if you go through the up and downs in life, you will actually travel further. And I was like, well, you're dealing, this is nonsense. And if you cycle, that's absolute rubbish because like hills make you far, far slower. And then you start thinking like. I, I notice the weather now all the time because I'm like, what's the wind? And I've, I, it, to my mind, and I'm, I'm interested in what people think of this, is it getting far windier in Ireland or is it just me? Is that just a cycling thing? You have become aware Be- of it. That's yeah, the, because that's it, it. like 90% of the time you cycle now, it's windy. Like, to, and that's just in Dublin. Like, imagine what it's like in Kerry. Is that just me or is it windier? A lot windier in Ireland now. I do not know. This is the, um, this is the Johnny Ward equivalent of live, laugh, love. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've had, like, I mean, oh, I, yeah, I enjoy, time enjoy change is bad, but we could do with a bit of warmth. It's been bad yeah. summer. Like, yeah, I do enjoy yeah. these digressions. Because we talked about uh, Djokovic and Nari there, and then I put my head there on the laptop just to read a few things. And then I put it back up, and I heard, it's really windy in Dublin at the moment, the cycle. And that's what I love about the top of the show. Yeah. We're with it. Anyway. It, it, it. But I think it makes you, like, it makes you fitter because it's just, it's such a pain. Like, the wind, it just makes everything more difficult. But, um, yeah, they, I'll be up for him against Djokovic as much as, obviously, it's going to be a... Going to be a tough one. He's still not taking the vax, is he? No. Okay. No, that's not going to change now. He's yeah. not, I mean, imagine he took it now after yeah. all that. It was, okay, fine, I'll take it. So actually, at the time of speaking, he's not going to be allowed to play the US Open. 
interesting. This yeah. is all the more reason for Nadal to not give up. So Nadal could win the uh, calendar Grand Slam with two more matches here, and then he. Would, I know. Would he, that be amazing? You know, he'd be favourite. Well, but so, at the same time, you know, if Djokovic is somehow allowed to play the US Open, they could be level. Uh, Nadal might not play this match against Kyrgios. That's he the other thing. He has to have a scan today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, I mean, I think he will, right? I think like he. I would gonna, be shocked if he pulled out. Yeah. Absolutely that, shocked. But there's a bit of drama about it, you know. Yeah. Like, but if there's a tear in his abdomen, he's not going to be able to play. Like, like he was serving at about 99 kilometers against Fritz. Like how Fritz didn't win that match. Like Fritz is a good player. He actually beat him in the Indian Wealth final earlier this year, Fritz. 24-year-old from America. Uh, really good player, but like ravaged with injuries as well, funnily enough. Uh, but it's kind of have a bit of fitness going now. And it's the first time he's been consistently fit in a long time. And he's showing his talent. Should have beaten him. How he lost, I don't know. But yeah, like hopefully Nadal actually takes to the court here against Kyrgios. But like never will Kyrgios have a better chance of winning a Grand Slam ever. Absolutely guaranteed. It's a weak field as it is yeah. this year. What's the story with um, semi-finalists who um, was like competing for Russia and then changed to Kazakhstan? Oh, Alina Rybakina. So she's she's through the semi-final and Halep is through from yesterday as well, which yeah. I saw some of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like she's, she would say she's from Kazakhstan, yeah. yeah. She's, um, she's Kazakh, so she can play because, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. If you're not Russian or Belarusian officially, you're allowed to play as Wimbledons, that's all. I, is, I find yeah. that absolutely bizarre. Like, I know. so bizarre. Uh, who's going to win the women's? I would say uh, Simona Halep will beat Anjabur in the final. Okay, I think so. All right, which I think we was predicted this time last week, was it? By that, Jenny Claffey, yeah. who beat Anjabur six love six love. Well, like we we should have backed that. We didn't, but we should have. Mm. There you go. One of the many things that has happened on the show that we were like, oh. That's interesting, and then not acted on. 7.47 this morning, you're watching OTBAM. We're live each morning in association with Gillette Labs for an effort that's finished here today. Uh, Alan Quinlan standing by, going to talk to us about the Ireland team for New Zealand. We're going to talk about uh, Munster's eSports with Enda Lynch and Darren McCormick. Sports page is coming your way at 25 past 8. John Duggan with Virtual Insanity at 8.35. Lee Keegan is going to join us at 8.50, and Jared Brennan is going to join us at 10 past 9 to preview the weekend's Gaelic football action. There are two big games this weekend. A lot of big names this week on OTBAM. And Johnny Ward. Lee Keegan, Jeremy O'Sullivan. It's all kicking off. Uh, at uh, 7.48, though. Um, Lee will be delighted now. I, I wrote a piece about him in the match programme uh, at the weekend, just kind of trying to read into him and... McLaughlin having their kids in the pitch after the game and the the, the handshake photo where he's the, the curry jersey turned inside out and um, Lee Keegan is a yeah it's, it's a pleasure to talk to him he's like possibly one of the greatest footballers of all time arguably okay, greatest that, defenders I would say uh, definitely definitely right there um, Mossy Quinn said on the show a couple of weeks ago that he was the greatest male player of all time mm. so uh, we can put these to him like people Irish people love compliments mm. so, yeah, yeah, yeah we, uh, we actually love it love compliments yeah Right, tune into Off the Ball each day this week where thanks to Sport Ireland Campus we have daily prizes of 200 euro vouchers that can be used towards membership at their elite gym facility and pitch rentals for your team, kids sports academies and camps or a family visit to the Aquazone Water Park. There's also an amazing overall prize, a thousand euro voucher, a money camp buy behind the scenes tour and a sports team fitness testing session by an experienced strength and conditioning coach. It's all with thanks to Sport Ireland Campus, the home of Irish sport from beginners to high performance and everyone in between. Here we go. That's the hashtag. Here we go. Alan Quinlan, good morning to you. Good evening to you. How are you? I'm good, lads, and yourselves? Yeah, good. The Ireland team has been named, if anybody missed it. Mac Hansen comes in for Keith Earls. And really, that's the only change. There's a few changes on the bench. Rob Herring comes in. Finley Bielham is on the bench as well. But they've decided to double down. They went for it last week with their strongest team. And they've, they've decided that they're going to try and learn the lessons from last week and, and win a test. Uh, is it the right call, do you think? Should there have been some experimentation um, here? No, I think I think it's the right call. And maybe I'm being a bit... Um 
not been very, very ambitious in, in making all these changes. But I just think that, I think the reason here, Ger, is because when they reviewed the game and they looked at the stats and, and particularly the early start in the game, um, I believe that they feel they can uh, make that last for longer. And um, I think that's why they've gone with pretty much the, the, the same group. Uh, just one chair change. It's a bit hard on Keith Earls, but I think Mac Hansen probably um, coming into the tour was in pretty good form and was probably going to be selected for that first test anyway. So, um, yeah, I think they've gone for a bit of continuity and try and win this test and hope that um, they can turn the superiority of possession and territory into more scores and maybe fix the problems that they had last Saturday. It's easier said than done. I was in the team hotel just a short while ago and and uh, they announced the team and again it's hard to you know Andy Andy Farrell was asked a question about body language and was it good this week and um, he said that uh, <laughs> he's been in different teams played in different teams and I, I can relate to what he's saying where they've the body language has been brilliant and the team have been buzzing and then it goes pear shaped in a match on Saturday and the opposite when it hasn't been very good and there's been a bit of core training that the performance can be brilliant so it's hard to read that but he did say that they train really well and they seem to be um, they're kind of full of belief that they can be better and, and make a real go of it on Saturday it, it, it It's definitely it's not risky right because like I mean maybe, maybe it is very risky because if you get beaten again with your best team then you realise that oh my god we're, we're absolutely miles and miles and miles away from being able to compete in a, a World Cup quarter final but um, you know, we had Derek McNamara on during the week. He, he had crunched the numbers and the stats, and uh, he was more glass half full than glass half empty uh, after myself and Owen had been um, talking about it during the week as well. So, I suppose if you're the Ireland management team, you think, well, we did have possession before Sexton went off. We were in control of the game before Sexton got injured. We were in control of the game um, in many ways, and so if Sexton plays the full game or seventy minutes of it, whatever. Uh, and we have that level of control for those 70 minutes, then it's going to be much tighter. And, you know, if we don't give them 28 points, well, then the scoreboard's going to be much closer as well. Yeah, of course. There's a lot of ifs and buts there. And I chatted to um, Josh van der Fleer. I interviewed him a while ago. And I kind of put that to him that, um, you know, when you play New Zealand, what's the difference between playing them here or playing them at home? And it's hard to pinpoint um, th- there's a ruthlessness that's always there with them and I think and I've kind of referenced this already chatting to you last week that you know if you go back to the games that Ireland beat them they seem to be very ambitious very accurate for long long periods of the game of course you're always going to make some mistakes but that 10 minute period and, and of all the teams in world rugby they're probably the team that punish you the most if you make mistakes and if they get their tails up. And they're in a bit of a rebuilding uh, process themselves. That's seven changes from the team that's, that played last November. A lot of familiar faces, but they're very, very ruthless in what they do. And um, I think if you make wholesale changes, then you risk... It's risk-reward. If it works, it's loads of energy, loads of enthusiasm, new guys in, um, and, you know... They bring that energy. I think the continuity piece is, particularly when you're looking at reviewing the game and you look at little moments and things that you could have done differently. And we, I highlighted them on Monday, you know, the quick penalty from Gibson Park, maybe breaking out from the mall. 
a couple of kicks that probably should have went into touch and they lost control at that period and of, as I said of all the teams um, historically they will punish you severely if you make mistakes so um, it's a kind of a catch-22 because you do want to develop a bit of depth and you do want to go to the World Cup in France next year ideally and and, and be able to win the big matches and have brought through more guys that that can step up to the place but um yeah, it's, uh, it's it makes for a really interesting one. They've kind of gone with the same selection as well. And, and the challenge here and the question here, Jerry, is will they get better as well? I think Ireland will be better and I still think they will learn from some of their mistakes. But the chances are New Zealand are going to be better as well. More than likely they will. Like, And traditionally, with Gregor Paul on, he said that the third test in these um, opening test series for New Zealand is when they put in their, their best performances and he referenced the 16 nil. I, I do think the 16 nil is like a bit of a red herring given that we had a sending off so early in the game and, and that completely skewed it and heads went straight away when that happened. But, uh, you know, if, if they continue to improve, like you would still make them very strong favourites for this game at the weekend, but we do expect a much crisper controlled performance from Ireland yeah and I think they they believe um, I just look they have to try and believe but I genuinely think they believe that if they can kind of sustain what they did in the first 20 minutes for a long, longer period there's no way you're going to be able to do that for 80 minutes but um, you've just got to be sharp and really limit the mistakes and, and hope that um, you get a little bit of flow and momentum and um, I think they'll try and do the same whether you know, they can break down New Zealand um, again at the weekend. And particularly, I suppose, what happened in the second half. But it's going to be very, very difficult. You know, they've, um, Sam Whitelock is out for them. He'll be a, certainly be a loss. Scott, Scott Barrett, you know, goes into the second row and Papali comes into the back row. It doesn't really weaken them. They've made a couple of changes on the bench as well. But um, it's a very, very difficult task. It, it always was before this tour. Um, but I think really um, you would hope that Ireland will be able to control the tempo a little bit better. And the key part of, of, of their attack in, in recent years when they've been successful is their set piece has been pretty solid. So they can't afford to have a creak and scrum this week. Um, they can't afford to lose four lineouts um, if they want to win this game. I think they're the small things and small details that are going to be really important and there I say they've got to be really physical because um, you know the collisions at the breakdown probably in a, a few crucial moments they lost them after again in that first 20 minutes they had some brilliant turnovers Ty Bourne had one Peter Romani had one um, they isolated New Zealand a little bit so um, they've got to get to a lot right this week but I think they believe they can and Andy Farrell was asked about the pressure and um, he's kind of the type of character that you would always think and he played like that as a rugby league player um, that loved the challenge and I love the fact at the press conference that he was saying look we want to, to we want this pressure because we want to test the characters of our players we want to see how far they can go we want to see had they got the stomach for it uh, and that they were his exact words and you know that's the challenge really they've got to step up this week and um, aside from you know, getting their game right, they have to really kind of have a, a bit of mental fortitude um, and a bit of aggression and, and anger with them this week and really hope that, you know, they can front up and they get some of the 50-50 calls maybe that went against them last week. Not to decide, they weren't the deciding factor, I think. There was some 
you know, the, the Reese, several Reese try just kind of turned the whole momentum. They have to create some momentum shifters this week themselves. And I think if they can get into the 50th, 60th minute, um, either ahead or, you know, close to New Zealand, I think they're, they'll be in a really, really strong position. Sounds very obvious, doesn't it? But I think if they can stay in the game past half time this week, I think they'll really believe and maybe they'll create a little bit of doubt. But, you know, on one hand, then you think, well, New Zealand will get better and they'll be tails up and uh, yeah, they can be devastating. Let me let me ask you, right, so um, Andy Farrell says he wants the team to be under this pressure and to see if they respond and, and it's a test of character for them. What if they fail that test of character? What if it's another 46-12? Yeah. Yeah, if they fail that, well, <laughs> you know, we'll have to analyse the game and see where it went wrong and decide if the players actually have the stomach for it. Are some players... Um, you know, should should they be on the team? Should we make changes? Like it's a very, it's the wrong time to really kind of um, start picking the breaking the team completely apart. We have to realise, Jaron. Look, you know that you notice yourself that the New Zealands are capable of of you know. We don't know how good this All Black team is at the moment. We know there's a lot of excellent players on the team. They've probably had an up and down kind of period since the World Cup South Africa have had a fair bit of dominance against them we've beaten them um, Australia I think possibly Argentina maybe during COVID got a victory in Australia um, so they've shown some vulnerability and the pressure that was on them last week was immense the pressure that's on Ian Foster the coach so um, if Ireland fail here and, and, and you know get a big beating if you like well is it back to the drawing board? What do you do? You you know, there's. It's not as if we have well, ten not, players at home. I was going to say. I was going to say. There's not much that. And for, for me, that's there's the not risk. a lot we can do. Yeah. Well, so that, and that's the risk in picking your best team. You pick your best team last week. Okay, fair enough. You want to get out the whole thing off to a, a really good start. They get hammered. You pick your best team again the second week. If they get hammered again, it is definitely. Oh, okay. Uh, what do we do now? Because there yeah, isn't. But, you know, the team played the Marys. Yeah, it depends what you what like. They were beaten by, was it 22 or 3 points last week, uh, 42-19. It should have been closer. I think the score flattered a little bit. Um, now, look. The score Mazzino always flatters, the flatters a little team. bit, though. Like the World Cup quarterfinal yeah. in Japan, you know, oh, maybe if we hadn't. It wasn't, yeah. Well, no, but it wasn't. It was that. Look, I think we're clinging on to the period of, of before half time, And I think Ireland, it wasn't as if they were unbelievably dominant the whole game I think when you look at it of course there was mistakes and and I thought the, the New Zealand tries were, were they didn't have to work very hard from of course if you if you kind of have a really really disappointed performance you're well beaten well it's 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 going to be a hard one to take and it'll be very hard to pick themselves up for a third test and I think you will have he'll have no choice but kind of make make some changes then and um See where where the, what the players can do. Gavin Coombs maybe come in. Um, you know, it's a pity. It's 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 it, you know, it's a pity that Ronan Keller isn't here. I think he's such a good player. It would have been brilliant to see him here and have uh, Dan Sheehan coming off the bench. Henderson's a loss. We don't have the same pool or depth of players that they have. And honestly, I drove from Queenstown today to to uh, to Dunedin, and I must have passed uh, fifty. Uh, rugby pitches and schools in a in a three hour journey and kids out playing rugby. It's just it's an it's it's 
it's hard to put it into context how passionate and how important rugby is here. And given the the amount of players they have here, um, you know, if we had any anywhere near the same depth, uh, it would be incredible. But look, it's that's why it makes it such a difficult task, and that's why you've been in, they've been near top of the pile forever um, the All Blacks so um, why, why kind yeah, of is it question- so different like to play there compared to like in Ireland like if, if if Ireland's soccer team played New Zealand in New Zealand you'd just be you wouldn't think it made much of a difference at all like the climate isn't much difference what is it like why, why is it so difficult to win there I just think that there uh, Johnny it's it's a good question and you know I've, we, there's always this intrigue in sport about you know home and away and you know when I played for Munster when one of the big goals we had at the start was win in France for the first time be the first Irish team to win in France we did it and then you start to say well why can't we do this more regularly and mm-hmm. then other teams started doing it but you know it's 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 a different environment it's a different dressing room the travel uh, the crowd the referees get swayed and you start adding all those little points together and, you know, they create um, a different environment for you. Um, and I think there's so much pressure on New Zealand every time they put on the jersey, but particularly at home. They get absolutely slated here if they lose a test match. Um, if they lost last week and Ireland beat them, they'd be calling for the head coach, the captain, uh, wholesale changes in the team. So it's like a religion here, really. It's like our GA, really, at home. It's just everywhere you go, you see people with rugby balls and you drive through the small towns and it's just so passionate. So I think they feel more responsibility at home here. Like, they seldom lose away from home either, but mm-hmm. um, they very, very rarely lose at home. And it's just like a religion here to them. You said about the officiating, is that like, I think Ty Byrne was quoted after the game and saying he can't he can't figure out some of the decisions like from the first test is that an issue at all for Ireland or a little bit um, I think there was issues at the breakdown that weren't picked up um, there was a Scott Barrett clear out on, on Peter O'Mahony which is baffling that it, he, he was he wasn't cited that doesn't make any um, sense does it? it it makes no sense and World Rugby should really come out and answer um, what the situation is here it's, it's a clear clip of Scott Barrett hitting Peter Manny with his shoulder in the back of the head neck area and the referee said it was it was in the chest and you could hear Peter Romani um, arguing the point afterwards he's not cited for it it's not highlighted anywhere there's no real replays here um, because um, New Zealand uh, the coverage the, the control by the director at the match and all those pictures are controlled by uh, Sky Sports in New Zealand and I'm not criticising them but I'm just saying it's kind of swept under the carpet and it's just let's move on and there's no issue here. Um, if that was in the Northern Hemisphere, Jar, it's a red card and it's a suspension and how it's not even mentioned or, or clarified um, afterwards or during the week. Um, like it was a clear shoulder into the, the back yeah. of Peter O'Mahony's head and neck. Yeah. And like, like, look, thankfully he wasn't injured. It wasn't that forceful um, but if that was in the Northern Hemisphere, it's a red card. So look, it's I'm talking about some of the refereeing decisions. They weren't a deciding factor here because um, I think New Zealand were just ruthless at a few really, really crucial moments, and they can do that to anyone. But I just thought 
Um, and the penalty count, Ireland, New Zealand were 14 penalties, Ireland were 10, so, but a lot of those penalties were late on. Yeah. Um, and the yellow card was pointless because it was at the end, whereas actually if there'd been an early yellow card for either team, then we might have had a sense of, okay, the rules are being, it's funny because it, it was obviously a Northern Hemisphere referee. Like, I don't know, is there an overcorrection? Yeah. When, when yeah. You and I like, just look, I just think there was no, um, from the the two assistant referees, very little intervention bar calling a few few um, offsides. The TMO was silent the whole game. Um, I just can't understand why he doesn't go back and say to Carl Dixon, "Look, we got to check this. It's shoulder to head. Yeah. Let's at least review it. Um, Stick it on the big screen so the, the everybody rock. can see it. You know." So some of the entries into the rooks, um, the side clearouts. Um, I think uh, Andrew Porter's about to score a try. Sam Whitelock just drives straight in, in from the side on the on the goal line. Again, it, Ireland wouldn't have won the game, I don't think, but it would have been a lot closer. And well, it, it's um, not even about that. It, it, it then prevents that from happening this week. That's the main thing. Is that like as we saw, Raz's video yeah. stopped so everything sure. from happening week two, and that's the whole point of of trying to understand exactly what's supposed to happen. Yeah, and look, we saw from Razzie Erasmus last year at the Lions, every coach could probably, and I'm sure Ian Foster could go out and pick some clips and say that the Irish team were, were infringing. Yeah. Um, but if Andy Farrell is picking his clips this week, uh, you know, some of them were very, very obvious that he would want, he said he wanted clarity on some of the cleanouts, um, some issues. So, Jakob Piper's reference this week, you know, will they be watching for the kind of side entries in rocks, the clear outs beyond the rock <laughs> players retire? So, you know, that makes yeah. it more difficult because players are off their feet and then kind of, a little gap can open up. Scott Barrett was holding Josh van der Fleer for Aaron Smith's break through the middle of the rock. Things I would do myself, absolutely. No problem at, at saying that. But you need a little bit of help sometimes. And sometimes in these situations, um, you don't get them when you're away from home. But we've got to take our hat off and say, look, New Zealand were brilliant at that period of time and the tries they scored and, and the effectiveness and ruthlessness um, was there and, and they punished Ireland. And if Ireland makes the same sort of mistakes again this week, very, very quickly, the game is it can be gone away from you. Physically, where are they at, the Irish team, at this stage of the season? And psychologically, they go into this, obviously, knowing that, as Jarrah says, like a bad defeat here is a massive psychological blow. But like physically, they collapse in the second half to an extent to last year. Do they, do they have it in them at this it's stage? It's actually of the the first, at the end of the first half they collapsed. Mm. So well, after the second. second half. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I thought they finished the game really strong. So I like John Duggan asked me this last um, Saturday after the game when I chatted to him about... You know, it's a long season, are they tired? Um, is that play a factor on that? I don't think so because it's been a different season. There's been lots of stop-start situations with COVID. A lot of the players have been pretty fresh. Um, I know mentally you're still going in July playing rugby, but there's been lots of breaks through the season. So I wouldn't kind of go down that road of we're very fatigued. And, um, you know, so I think they're in decent shape. I thought physically they were well able to match New Zealand. Uh, it was just that little bit of X factor at times, and and that clinical kind of attack that really punished Ireland and and punished those mistakes. I didn't really see. Oh, look, I think collectively there's an aggression there and a real kind of hardness amongst these New Zealand players, and that's kind of a standard when you put on that jersey. They're not massive physical specimens that you're you're you're. They're overweighing the opposition. But I tell you, they're so aggressive and collectively they're very, very aggressive in what to do. So I would like to see Ireland be a bit more aggressive, a little bit more narky on Saturday. 
and uh, really kind of have more of a physical kind of fight and confrontational approach within the boundaries, yeah. not giving away stupid penalties and yeah. stuff, but just be a little bit... Um, a little bit clinic, uh, cynical themselves. One, one last thing on this, right? It's it's less the physical toll of the season. Some of our players are just not in their peak form at the moment. You wouldn't say Tyke Furlong is in his peak form. You wouldn't say James Ryan's peak form. And you wouldn't say Keelan Doris are in their peak form. Yeah, and there's no, um, there's no uh, reason to suggest that they won't find their form at the start of the season. Some player, everybody's different mentally, physically. Um, I would think they're in decent shape physically, but just... Maybe um, the end of the season, James Ryan has been out for a fair bit. Um, he's trying to fight, fight to find his form again. Caelan Doris had, had an absolutely brilliant year, I suppose. The last, uh, the end of the season was disappointing for him. Who knows what he's feeling. Um, he could have a stormer this week, you know. James Ryan, I think, is working incredibly hard. Tyke Furlong is probably... You see, the challenge here is when you're kind of you're turning that world class like Tyke Furlong has been for a long, long time, and then scrum creaks a little bit, and you don't you're not as prominent as maybe you have been, or not making those 10, 15 yard bursts that he normally does. Um, I think. Sorry, I lost you for a oh, sector. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think then that's uh, you're more scrutinised more, but again. Um, who knows what way, but what they're feeling? But I think that they're still top quality players will, that will go to the World Cup and and hopefully they'll perform on Saturday. Because um, if oh. Ireland have any chance, they need they need a real collective effort here and a cohesive effort from everybody. All right, Alan, good stuff. Give us your prediction. Oh, I'm not sure we win, but I think we'll be quite close. I really believe that. Um, Look, I, 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 I just can't see us winning. I'll, I'll find it hard to believe, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but um, yeah. I, I still think we're going to have a, a real good rattle off them and uh, and make it very, very close. I'll tell you, if we're if I can't we're see us game, winning, I'm, but it'll be very close. Yeah. If if well, what do you want me to say, Johnny? It's hard to ever <laughs> ever back against the All Blacks. We're in New Zealand here, so me yeah. saying Ireland are going to win on Saturday is kind of, you know, that's that's leading with my heart. I just think. I think we'll see a much better performance and if Ireland are in the game in 50 minutes, 60 minutes, I think we'll win the game then. I think if we can get to that point, I think we will win it then. So you can see us winning? uh, Yeah, I can see us. There's lots of ifs and buts. (laughs) A million ifs and buts, really. Put me on on the spot and uh, New Zealand will win the game. If I asked either one of you who will win the game, what are you going to say? New Zealand, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Are you gonna? I think. I think. Uh, what little I know, I think it'll be closer though. Yeah. I mean, I hope you're all right. I hope you're all right because if it's not closer, it's a bit of a disaster. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, look, the the evidence suggests that we we could have kept it much closer. Certainly, the the stats back up the people who are optimistic. Mm. I, I'm just still, you know, if, if we if we wants. if we get a little bit of luck, if we get a little bit of luck on Saturday, we need a little bit of luck. Yeah. We may have, a, we, you know, I think we have a good chance then. All right, Quinny, good stuff. Thanks a million. Okay, Enjoy. cheers, lads. That's uh, Alan Quinn in there. Chiefs girl's been in touch to say, I think Ireland will step up this week, but the All Blacks will still win. I think it'll be a lot closer. She also says, I saw Alan on the breakdown. I thought he was great and insightful. It was good to get a different perspective from someone up north. Alan was very articulate and had some good points. There you go. Chiefs girl likes what she saw but also patronising us thanks very much uh, Christopher McCormick says too many Leinster players the other three provinces have so much more to offer Irish rugby mm. I mean maybe you know maybe that's the 
maybe it's the the Leinster players are too soft is, is basically the undercurrent there from uh, from that Mark Dunning says we dominated possession and territory last week and got hammered it's highly unlikely we get that level of dominance again so another hiding more likely than not I do think some of that is all a bit of a misnomer because in the second half New Zealand are 28 points up they're like the game's over I mean come on was it like an 8 minute spell Come on, what you know? We're gonna we're gonna go and kill you again because we don't need to. Yeah, we're gonna keep some stuff in reserve for next week when we do. When we might need it, do you know? Like there's a definitely there's definitely something in that. Right. So OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Come join the football pod live with James, Paddy, Tommy, and special guests for a live road show in Dublin as we build up to the 2022 All Ireland Senior Football Championship final. The show is coming to you live from Kilmacud Croaks GA Club next Thursday, July the 14th. It'll either be a celebration or a wake. Either way, it'll be pretty good. Tickets are 20 euro, including booking fees. You can pick them up at otbsports.com forward slash events. And speaking of football pod, you're going to hear a clip from the latest episode during the ad break as the three lads preview the All-Ireland Senior Football Semi-Finals ahead of the weekend. The football pod in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the GA Senior Football Championship. Check out the hashtag, the toughest for more. We're back after the ad with something a little bit different, a Munster Rugby e-gaming special. Yeah, that's right. Stay tuned. OTB. Right, Jerry, welcome back. It's 19 minutes past eight this Thursday morning here on OTBAM, and I'm delighted to say Enda Lynch and Dara McCormick are with us in their Munster tracksuits. Good morning to you both. How are you getting on? Morning, Jerry. Good, Good thank you. Um, and explain to us exactly why you're here. So, Munster have launched a, an esports um, franchise. That, how do you refer to it? Is it? It's part of Munster Rugby. It's, it's an extension uh, of Munster Rugby. So, you know, yes, it is a franchise, and we have two titles in the franchise. Um, Esports is uh, very popular, um, as is gaming, and you know pretty much everybody in the audience knows somebody somewhere along the line that is a gamer, spends hours watching or, or playing. Esports is multiple titles. We're in two of them. Um, it's a bit like you know Olympics, where there's a variety of different titles. We're in League of Legends, and with Dara then and uh, Williams, Williams Racing, we're in Sim Racing, and uh, having good fun. But it's early stages yet. It's a, a long journey. Dara, what's Sim Racing? Uh, sim racing is basically real life racing on a game. So I have a wheel and pedals in front of me, right. a seat, and I sit in, and it's like driving a real car. And what 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 car is what is is it Formula One? Uh, no, or? I do GT racing. So it's like they're expensive race, like expensive road cars, okay. luxurious cars turned into race cars. Okay, so basically that's what they are. Right. Um, and what's that like? So you're actually like steering the wheel? Yeah, okay, yeah, like right. a, yeah, like a genuine wheel with pedals and you know, they're proper expensive equipment supplied by teams, you know. Okay. It's a, it's a big industry. Though. So the involvement of Williams, uh, like um, I, I did a thing, Web Summit a couple of years ago at Williams and uh, the guy brought the Formula One uh, steering wheel. It was like a remarkable piece of equipment. Yeah. It has like a gazillion buttons. Um, but they, they pride themselves on innovation and like cooling systems for fridges is something one of their little sidelines that they have going on so obviously esports is something like that too what do they like to work with uh williams is is amazing i get to go to you know real life races and get to go to the factory and meet people i you know i genuinely wouldn't and get to have opportunities to to do stuff like that and go see f1 cars and be be a part of a team that will help me through what i need to and help me with the setup of the car and all that it's just like it's amazing so when you say help you with the setup of the car that's part of the game is yeah. you, you can't just be a good driver you need to know exactly how to um, give yourself as much of an advantage before the race starts as you possibly can during the, during the actual race yeah that's I mean that's just it's worth just as much as the race so you need to you need to really nail the setup of the car otherwise you'll be 
in the mid pack or the back of the field so um, having those engineers around you and teammates that know what you like and what they like um, when you all work together you know really helps to to boost your boost your performance how many people are in a race uh it depends on the grid, but I'd say generally about 40 to 50. Right, okay, so, so busy. Big, big grid, yeah, big yeah. grid. And um, how competitive is that then? Is it, I mean, exactly the same as so over a full season? How does it work? Um, so the series that I'm in, SRO Sprint, I'm also in endurance, but in uh, Sprint I'm with Munster. And uh, it's, it's a 50-car grid, generally. Of course, there'll be a few dropouts. But, um, yeah, you need to score points, so the top 15 score points and first place is 34 points 15th is one point uh, you can also get a point for pole position so it's you know you need to win in order to do well like and how many races in a season uh five races in this season right okay so um it's it is a bit of a sprint as well and how many how many laps in the sprint uh well it's 60 minutes right, so okay. depending on the track it can be around 28 to maybe 32 35 so yeah how would you get into this actually how did i get into this yeah um, and how long ago Jesus, I, I got into it. Um, I mean, I'd say three with my dad, but oh. um, I really started focusing on it in early 2019. I thought I could go professional with it, and I mean, this is where it's led me to. So, yeah, quite quite a quick progression rate. So it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. That is mad. You've just done your leaving search. Yeah, yeah, I just finished it. Right. Uh, maybe two weeks ago. All right, how'd it go? Uh, Decent, <laughs> not, not as good we'll, as I'd hope. But we'll see. Sure, look. Um, and so, what's the plan? Like, what, what happens? Are you are uh, you going to be a professional gamer for the next period of time? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to focus on this and work with Enda and Williams to, to really try and make this my career. And right now, it is. So, yeah, I'm going to for, focus on you know keep building on it and uh, maybe get into real life racing in the future. But yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So is yeah. that the the logical thing? Yeah, I mean, if I could get into real-life GT racing, you know, there's an example of it, James Baldwin. He's uh, He's been in sim racing for years, and he's done a series in the real-life version of what I do. Mm. So um, if I could do that at some point, that would be incredible. But, yeah, I, I, think, mean, I think there is being a little modest. Uh, James Baldwin is five points behind him in the league at the moment. In the, <laughs> so, you know, he's at that talent, he's at that level. Yeah. When did you realise, Zara, that you had that? Like, was it when you were 16? or? Uh, it was when I was about... 14 early 2019 I went into a 24 hour race and we qualified P2 and we nearly won in the top split which so we I mean I was surprised that I could even keep up with the guys I didn't think I could but yeah from there I just focused on building myself and just working with people to figure out Mm. what to do and once I knew what to do I just went on my own and then Found Williams and found Munster, and the buzz must be insane. Like, oh yeah, it's yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, when when I won the first race of the the series, I just ah, I, <laughs> I felt like crying to be honest. Like it was unbelievable. Um, beating the caliber of driver in there is like it's unbelievable. There's a tenth of a second separates us in the race, and qualifying it can be hundreds of a second. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the top twenty was separated by a quarter of a second. In qualifying, I, I guess like it, it, because this must be so like all encompassing. It's, it's it must be hard to even switch off like a normal life yeah. to do your leaving cert. Yeah, it is very hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to focus on both of them was was a proper challenge. But mm. but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I got I think I got the best of both worlds in the end. So I, yeah, I'm happy. And so uh, during COVID, obviously everything was remote. Is there are, does this happen at some point where everybody's in the same room, or is that is, is it always going to be remote? How does it work? Yeah, they're they're called LAN events. So basically, you can go 
to wherever it's hosted and uh, that'll be part of the series so there's uh, the ADAC GD, GT Masters that'll be in Germany and it was hosted at the Nürburgring in right. the big centre so yeah. um, I think it's called the Sim Expo so um, yeah I think it'll be in Germany again this year and um, there'll be all the guys that I know through there and there'll be Sim rigs everywhere so yeah it's, uh, it's really cool especially meeting everybody is it's a great experience. Yeah, that must be interesting. It's like yeah. everything was so virtual and like, you know, here you are, you see a face, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And why did Munster get involved in, in this? What, what's... Um, look, it's, it's, for us, it's a, it's a wider audience. Um, I think it's, it's no secret that um, while TV audiences are very healthy for sport, they're slightly older. Um, so, you know, people mid-teens to late-twenties consume sport very differently. Short bursts, social uh, channels primarily um, but they're consuming more esports than they're consuming traditional sports and more esports than traditional sports yeah. in that bracket yeah wow yeah, they'll consume up to an avid esports fan will consume about eight and a half hours of esports a week and that's not where they're gaming it's where they're watching other teams play and they might consume about an hour of sport a week um, and that's across the UK and Ireland based on research done in early 2021 um, and it was not pandemic related if you know what I mean um, and look for us then it's an opportunity to expand our commercial opportunities our brand um, does it mean there's going to be rugby players coming out of this no but it, it allows us to expand how we commercially help the overall club so the purpose of gaming isn't to drain from rugby and it has no commercial ties into the rugby it's just to help support and bring you know commercial values and commercial revenues back in the long term it's going to take a long time but there are teams like um, um, Schalke 4 and um, Hertha Berlin uh, Barcelona um, a number of the US teams um, pretty much all the premiership teams now have their own sport you know uh, FIFA or NBA 2K but some outliers like ourselves are getting to League of Legends, which is the biggest esport in the world. Um, and by biggest, I mean the World Finals were held last December, and there was 120 million live audience. You know, I've always made the point there that, like, the first time you're you're on a bus and the first time in your life that somebody offers you a seat because they think you look a little bit old. This is one of the first times in my life where I actually feel old. I'm like, <laughs> this has totally passed me by. Like, and I loved like computer games when I was younger. But this is complete. Like, this is new to me. Yeah, it's mad. It's and like, I had to go through that initiation myself. Mm. I, I was like you. I loved computer games when I was young. Name all the consoles. I had them. But when we started doing research and realised that there's opportunities and other sports clubs were doing this, mm. um, you know, there was a real deep dive and it made me feel very old very quickly. But having said that, there are people who are, like I'm in my early 40s, there are people, 40s and 50s, who are still avid gamers and who continue on. Um, sim racing, people like Lawrence and the guys, you know, huge audiences. Um, Dara's races regularly will attract up to 30,000 views in the first 24 hours. How do you watch it? Um, YouTube. Um, they have a live YouTube channel for all the GT um, uh, sprint and um, and endurance racing. So Dara represents us in sprint and then Tarek Gamel from Donegal represents us in uh, endurance racing, which is 24-hour or, or 12-hour racing. And it's all on YouTube. So say like 30,000 are watching you. How is that spread geographically then? Like, Are they mainly um, Irish people or...? Primarily European, Irish and European, but it's this is a wider audience. This is not just Ireland, and that's only going to grow as well. Yeah, how did the partnership with Williams come about? 
Um, we were in League of Legends and we were looking to expand into a second title. Um, and we work very closely with an agency called Epic Global, uh, co-owned and founded by a guy called Trev Keane, who is one of the, the doyens of, of esports in Europe. And Trev um, had spoken with Williams. They were looking to uh, establish relationships with other sports organisations. He put the two of us in contact. And very luckily, uh, we had been chatting with Corey's at the time. They sell sim rigs. They want to build um, a wider awareness of their offering for the racing community. And they said, yeah, we'll come on board. So again, you know, not drawing on our own resources. Corey's made our entry into this possible through Williams. So it was uh, a win-win-win for all three parties. Um, you've done the live events before, obviously. Uh, what are they like? Um, I actually haven't. Right, OK, so you're, you're dying. <laughs> That's very exciting. Um, then. Yeah. The only thing that I've actually been to is the Williams facility right. the, the esports facility it's actually tied in with the whole Williams Racing place it's, yeah. it's in the same complex um, is it Silverson is it or somewhere very close uh, to it? or is it Brands Hatch it's near it's, one of the tracks anyway I think it's in between them right. it's in Oxford okay. so yeah it's, it's near enough but yeah it's like they have 20 rigs in one room and then the back room they have another 20 right. so they can host like whole events in their in their own facility and um, yeah I think I'll be doing a few in the future with them so yeah i mean i <laughs> i love going there it's uh, it's amazing are you getting recognized are people uh coming up to you and going oh, I've, I've watched your races uh i have i did go to paul ricard recently uh it's a racetrack in france uh for the real life gt race and i had to coach the i had to coach the real life drivers to do what i do basically and um yeah i got recognized by a few people it was a bit, a bit surreal but yeah it was uh it was an interesting uh, experience you to coach the real life drivers yeah, what class. It, so that must be like so. You're doing your leaving certs, and then you are coaching real life drivers yeah. how to actually drive a car virtually. Yeah. Did you did you carry that with confidence and say <laughs> yes? Listen to me. Um, so the the guys I was actually coaching they they had done it before, so that was that was uh, handy enough. You that know, to help. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, jumping between the two of them, they said there's not too much dissimilar, but there's you know some differences, of course. And so, when are they going to let you in a car? Oh, I, I mean, I think that's an impossible thing to to ask. But if I if I could, I I would for sure. Um, well, you've got to you know speak it into existence, put it out there, and tell the world is what you want, and it's going to happen. Yeah, that pathway is going to become more and more normal, I presume, like that. Yeah, it's. I think sim racing will really become like a proper entrance to to real life racing mm. soon. So, I mean, we already have one case where we made it, and. Um, yeah, he's uh, Baldwin's actually doing Spa 24 hours at the end of this month. Right. So yeah, big race. And how? So like, say if there's like you know contacts and stuff in your race, like how is that simulated in terms of your actual like or crashes or whatever? Um, Stupid question. I I, I sound like 50 not here. Last no, no, I'm, I'm 39. Oh, <laughs> we, we won't talk about that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Do you crash or like what? What? Yeah. yeah so yeah, no, so what, what does that feel like? Is it like vibrations or what? Uh, yeah. No. There's proper vibrations in the wheel. Like you, you know, we've crashed for sure. This is a point though. It's not. He's not in a car. Like so. It's I like know, this is the like, tra- transition you have to make. these games where like you, you know, it's a driving. Game. You, I, if you crash, you crash. So I, I played the Mega Drive, and then sort of uh, in college I didn't in do anything. And then I went back, crash, and it was like crash. the PlayStation, and I was so bad at it, I just kind of gave up. So that was about twenty years ago. So yeah. So, so when you crash, you crash. Yes. But but like when you get in a car, then it's like I guess that's just another. That's the next step in the ladder. Like, but this is real. Like, yeah, this is like slightly dangerous. <laughs> yeah, like if you crash in the game, you do get 
like minutes of damage that you have to repair. Um, obviously, you're not going to feel the g-force of the impact, but um, yeah, I mean, if you get into a real car and crash, that would be a proper wake-up call. So, so, so what, what's like what gives you the most thrill in a race? The most thrill is just chasing down people and trying to be the best, basically. <laughs> just the the drive to win. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so, what's next, Ara? What's next is SRO Endurance, I believe, with Williams, and then Sprint at the start of August right? Uh, with Munster. So how do you get better? How do you train? Like, um, is it just hours spent? Yeah, basically just, yeah. just perfecting my craft and perfecting the setup for the car. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll have to start prepping for August soon, uh, make sure I have everything ready, because last round of the championship sprint, and um, currently in the points lead, only by five <laughs> over Baldwin so um, yeah it's going to be tough, what, but what do your mates think of this sorry what do your mates think of this like your schoolmates um, are you like the national or the, the class hero um, towards the end of six year I was <laughs> <laughs> because people started knowing what I'm doing for a job so I actually I was I was quite quiet about it I just kind of kept it to myself because mm. I didn't know if it would end up being a big thing or not like if I if I'd really make it or you know, flop. So um, just thirty thousand watching my race. There, there you know. go, exactly. And so, Ender, <laughs> yeah. from your perspective, what's next? Um, as look, short term, as Dara said, it's it's um, his final uh, in August. We have the League of Legends guys who are playing in the Nordic League, uh, which is the best Nordic UK in Ireland. Um, they're in Division Two, and we topped the league in spring. Uh, we're currently fourth in the summer, and we're going to try and get into Division One. And Division One in League of Legends in the Nordic region is it's a chunky affair, and you know we'll be uh, in terms of fun financing and all that will be worked on through the winter to make sure that we can um, start growing a bit further. Well, listen, we wish you the very best of luck with it, Dara. Uh, best of luck over the the course of the summer and enjoy the live events and and end it's a really interesting expansion of the Munster franchise. So we wish you all the best. Thank you both very much as well. It's eight thirty six this morning. OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Here's Joe Malloy talking about following Tiger Woods around Adair Manor on the golf course. Obviously, have a look. Like Tiger's done these things now, like the match where they're mic'd up yeah. and there's like uh, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady and Phil, and they, you know, and and Woods in those has been distinctly uncharismatic and had nothing to say. And actually, it was Mickelson who would steal the show mm-hmm. and be hilarious and insightful and talkative. And Woods incredibly quiet. So what blew my mind on Monday, I was anticipating Woods to barely make eye contact with the crowd. What blew my mind, he first arrived on the fourth tee. I wanted to watch a bunch of players and then I waited for Woods and I said, I'm following you for the next five hours. So Woods arrives on the fourth tee and unlike all of the other players who talked a little bit, Woods arrived on and was in form I've never seen before on video in real life ever where he, he walks up with a seven and an eight iron and he was saying to the crowd, is it a seven or an eight? and a lot of players have been going long and the crowd will go an eight and he's like okay will I cut it or will I fade it and they're like because I think he sensed everyone's nervous when he arrives everyone's standing a bit, bit straight at this odd thing that fame does to people it's, it's mad really the guy's yeah. good at golf like why <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, yeah, it's yeah. like he's the Pope or something um, and, and then he, you know he starts going man there's a lot of beers I'm going to have to buy if this goes in the hole and someone goes you can afford a tiger and he's like ooh <laughs> and, and everyone is uh, and everyone is just like roaring laughing because of how surreal this is and then some dude just over my shoulder goes Tiger will you sign my arm <laughs> and there's like Tiger half looks over but doesn't and then he goes tattoo I, I've got a tattoo of you on my arm and he lifts up his thing and there's a giant tattoo of Tiger Woods on his bicep 
to which everyone like roars laughing and Tiger like just sort of mm. shakes his head and then he's chatting what time's it get dark here I gotta plan my fishing and he's he is engaging with the crowd like he has never done it before I happen to be videoing a lot of this happened to be well I mean <laughs> I, I didn't know when he came up he was going to talk no, okay yeah 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 I, I was just videoing in case just to have it on yeah. the off chance he said anything but I didn't think it was going to be a full conversation and like I, I just threw it up on Twitter it's got like nearly half a million views on Twitter that's evidently a choice on his behalf Like we see it's because he's not in competition but this okay. was him relaxed and I'd say look the last 10 years have changed him I think it's been a, yeah. a, a humbling experience there was a, another point the last one as an example again and this is so unwoods like where Wayne Riley Radar was interviewing J.P. McManus by the uh, 6th which is part 3 and so they're doing the interview as Woods hits his tee shot and they couldn't really see where it went so Tiger's walking back to his cart and they're doing the interview and Wayne Riley good TV man says let's see if I can get something going here and he, he, as Tiger's walked by, he shouts, Tiger's out of screen at this stage, but he says, uh, where did it go, Tiger? What did you do? And it's J.P. McManus and Wayne Riley. And I thought to myself, that's a risk. Woods is not a generous broadcaster. Like, <laughs> he could just leave you hanging. And instead, instead, like, and I'm, I'm as close to the, I was just watching it unfold, and I just couldn't believe this. Woods puts his two hands in the air and he goes, it's on the green, baby! <laughs> oh, wow. And the whole crowd are like, Wow, well, so I can't believe that. And I was like, this guy is in form I've never seen. You have entered Power Drive. All right, it is this week's edition of Virtual Insanity. John Duggan, how are you? Good, Jaron, Johnny, yourselves? That, that Power Drive clip is obviously from The Simpsons, right? That I think I'm closer to that level of computer gaming and all that than what we just heard. I, I literally just have aged like 20 years there, JD. The whole, this has just passed me by and it's going to become huge. Loads of stuff pass you by that's huge. Like it does. Do you just have to mm. get used to it? It's an accommodation in life. You can't understand and know anything about everything. You just can't. Were you a Mega Drive man, JD? Commodore 64? Uh, neither. I was a Game Boy. Uh, Game Boy, yeah. Um, every time I've got a big win in my life, I always hear that Tetris sound. Um, <laughs> then I got big into Tiger Woods' PJ Tour game, and I was like an ace at it. I was sm- and that was on the PSP. What is the PSP? It was a kind of a little console. Oh, yeah. Thing I got a present of. Um, and I'd be like shooting 59s and 55s and stuff like that. So golf was the thing I played. And I also played Grand Theft Auto San Andreas um, probably in my early 20s. And my computer melted. Actually, it just one day just decided to switch itself off because I'd been burning it too much. Oh, I, we all have sort of like I remember my mother like literally like a naked gun, like tripping over the the plug. Um, while my brother was eight hours into a game and like <laughs> honestly like this was a war um, and like uh, I guess my first memory is my my friends like loading up the Commodore 64 on those old cassettes like that took I probably took about half an hour to just load it up it's mad where we've come to there was a game called Outrun uh, which I remember when I was a young lad about you just was just driving through the desert that was a really cool game it's unfortunate Owen's not here because he's got some story about being like majorly addicted in his like late teens, early twenties to something. It's like you know, it was, mm. it, it was a, lo- a large period of his life is lost. It's like just those like kind of wilderness years. I can't remember the game. I have a vague sense it was like the Olympics game or something like that. That he was like one of the top in the world at for a, a slight period of time. Wow. 
Uh, much to the detriment of, you know, everything else in his life. He so. could relate to, well... like th- I might be slandering him here. That could be completely wrong. But he will correct me, I'm sure, no doubt, when he's... The thing with Dara is, like, that, that line between, like, being in front of a computer and being, like, a real driver now is so... That's so close that he could be sensational, you'd imagine. And imagine, like, if he does go down that road, uh, I will now follow him because I know of this. Well, that, that's the point. Uh, to get on to virtual insanity, because we should, um, I hope everybody backed John Catlin last week. He, he actually went out to 80 to 1 at one stage, and he finished in the top five. So sure. you would have got paid out? You would have, and you should probably be doing it rather than me this week, Jared, to be honest. I've no, I've no inside information this week beyond I wouldn't be backing anybody who... Oh, this is the geezer that you put up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He, 66 to 1, 80 to 1, and was it, like in the lead around the Saturday, but then obviously there was a couple of sensational rounds on the Sunday to win it. Um, I would say I wouldn't back anybody who was at the uh, uh, Pro-Am oh, this am. week because they were having the crack like there was not a lot of serious golf being played they were having fun and drinking pints and whatever else so I, I like this is me I, I, I don't really like golf I'm not like mad into whatever but like Joe's story there about Tiger Woods like that's obviously a big deal it's like Tiger Woods actually is showing some sort of being a human being on a golf course and that's like a big deal and the, like so to me this is like how is this even a story but obviously golfers just well Tiger just doesn't let his guard well, down Tiger's game face is like the most famous thing about him yeah. you know like he, he'd have his game face on for weeks in advance of a tournament all the entire our time with the tournament and then after the tournament we barely show any emotion apart from like aggression about winning yeah that, that, that is the transformation of a, a person but he showed up he, Tiger Woods showed up this week and stayed around and you know and I, I think I saw one of the uh, English people oh he's staying in the UK to practice for the Open like is he I don't think he is that's not what he said he said he was going to stay here did you see the he Riga he was, he was in Ireland when he said it so we'll see did you see the Riga tweets about going to Derry City for the game no you should look into that I, yeah, so. I, I can imagine yeah it was yeah, a Union should. Jack but then they changed it to a tricolour uh, to, to go to Derry City which Again, isn't exactly accurate anymore either. You know, um, no, the Ireland flag wouldn't have worked either. So they were damned if they do. And uh, are, are they though? Virtual Should insanity. We, if, if if Derry City want to be considered Irish and they want to fly, they the are Irish. Irish. Let them do that. I say. Yeah, Riga got it wrong in the first place. Uh, parody of esteem, right to self identification, all all in the Good Friday Agreement, <laughs> which nobody seems There's to. The embrace. Belfast Agreement. <laughs> John Duggan. Um, uh, Kerry Connors of Listowel in Ontario, uh, I don't know if it's twinned with Kerry, um, has not played in the Pro-Am. Um, he was tied for fourth going into the final round of the Open last year at uh, Royal St. George's. So he's one of the most accurate ball strikers, great iron player. He is 50 to 1. He's worth a five each way of my virtual money. He's the headline tip for the Scottish Open. Um, he lies inside the top 20 in strokes gained this year on the PGA Tour. He's improved his putting. He's just a laser with those irons. Actually, he missed the cut of this tournament last year, but the second round was 65. So Kari Connors is my guy each way, the main one. The other one I'm going for, three each way, on Robert McIntyre. Um, I've got him there in a shinty jersey because he plays shinty. Uh, Robert McIntyre from Scotland uh, obviously would love to win his home open uh, 66 to 1 for 3 each way loves Lynx golf so he's been in the open championship he's been in top 10 the last 2 years uh, he's played in it uh, was 13th at Mount Juliet last week 
um, has two top 20s at the Renaissance Club. To me, he's a really good win player. He's got guts. He's a good putter. Um, and I think a lot of these guys, I know Rory's in playing, but a lot of these guys will have their heads in St. Andrews. And as you said, Jared, they will have had quite a, like, a long run now. You're coming over to Ireland. You're playing all these courses around the south. You're playing the Pro-Am. You're having a few drinks. You're going over to the Genesis Open. Or else maybe I'm totally wrong, am I? I mean, it's actually back everybody who's at the thing having the crack. And that's the best build-up. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, you're playing Parkland, then you're going to Lynx. I'd well, they were, uh, the, sorry, the, 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 but everybody who came over played a few rounds of Lynx in advance, like... Um, yeah. Speed and Justin Thomas and a few others. It's just uh, they don't want to be too tired by the time they get to next Wednesday, Thursday for a major. Um, so I, I'd be going with the likes of Kari Connors, Robert McIntyre, who I think it might be just a little bit mentally fresher and have actually more uh, to gain by winning this week than other players do who obviously want to win next week. I've obviously gone for three as well in the Barbersall Championship in Kentucky. Uh, the, the, the lead one is Kelly Craft. Um, who is 45 to 1 for three each way, has been second here before. This is a really weak field. He's had three ma- made cuts in a row. He was in the top 25 last week of the John Deere Classic. And the other two, Austin Smotherman for two each way, 50 to 1, uh, who's a really good ball striker, and Doc Redman at 80 to 1 for two each way. So these are all up on otbsports.com, on the OTB app for virtual insanity. Hopefully trying to, after a barren spell, like yourself, Jer, like last week, trying to get back into the... Into the, in the good books. What else going on, JD? Um, well, obviously that Irish team named earlier on, Mac Hansen coming in uh, on the right wing, uh, Finley Bealham and Rob Herring on the bench. Uh, we got Derry and Riga, as you said, Johnny, and we have um, Sligo Rovers going to Bata Town this evening. We got UCD against Bowes. We have uh, Simona Halep and Ons Jabur involved in Wimbledon semi-finals today. Uh, Northern Ireland, Norway this evening. Uh, Dublin senior hurling manager looking for a replacement, obviously with Matty Kenny stepping down after four years in charge. Um, we also have Dublin and Kerry tickets still on sale, which is interesting uh, for a, a game that you'd think would be well sold out by now. That That is interesting because the, you know, Kerry's aversion to travelling to games is kind of well known, but um, Dublin's insanely expensive to do anything in at the moment. Yeah. So it's like it's a big deal if you want to make a weekend of it. Um, it really is, and it's it's for a family of uh, you know, and with say if you got family four going to Dublin, um, Kerry probably just let let's take the chance we'll get to the final. Mm. Um, that's and fifty quid a ticket. So it's it, you're talking what you're talking hundreds. Yeah. Was that like having a went to a fish and chip restaurant last night? Glass of wine, fourteen euro. And I was like, how how are we doing this? But we. You know, this is just mad. Everything is insane, and we either like tighten our belts, like Charlie Hawley would advise, or we just like party, like you know, the world is the end is nigh. Well, I was um, I was looking at a you know kind of you know the way the estate agents have that kind of window uh, of all the kind of the prices of stuff, and I was looking at the house prices in Dublin, and it's you know, you feel like one of these poor children who's looking through yeah. I don't know the uh, the TV screens of of people happy families and Santa Claus and all that kind of thing, and you're going to the poor house, like it is just completely cannot get a taxi to save your life to go to a game now either like literally you can't get one on free now you can't even you can't hail a taxi to get how is anybody supposed to afford a house and I know this is a sociological tangent and everything how is anybody supposed to afford a house in this country There's for so much wealth in this country Dublin is is a very like as a tourist if you came to Dublin now and if you're from Kerry you're a tourist how is that an attractive proposition I, I've got two friends who are multimillionaires who live abroad and they're both traders and they both own about 20 properties in Dublin. Curry v Dublin on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a winner, John. <laughs> um, I think 
Con's out, I think. Kerry are going to win it. Okay. Galway, Galway v. Uh, Galway v. Kerry. Much to my chagrin, but I'm hoping to get on the hill and right. uh, enjoy my day in the hill. Good stuff. All right, lads. John, enjoy the game, and I'll be back on Saturday afternoon, of course, with uh, plenty of build-up to the Saturday game as well. Now, uh, OTBIM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Tune in to Off the Ball each day this week, where thanks to Sport Ireland Campus, we've daily prizes of 200 euro vouchers that can be used towards membership at their elite gym facility and pitch rentals for your team, kids' sport academies, and camps or family visits to Aquazone water park plus an amazing overall prize with a thousand euro voucher a money can't buy behind the scenes tour and a sports team fitness testing session by an experienced strength and conditioning coach it's all with thanks to sport ireland campus the home of irish sport from beginners to high performance and everyone in between here we go now at 8 50 i'm delighted to say good morning to lee keegan lee good morning to you how are you getting on hey jerry how are things yeah good thanks um how are you feeling at the moment there's a big game on this weekend and you guys aren't involved is it is it difficult are you thinking about the game um, this weekend or is it just it's okay you've made peace with it um yeah make a certain amount of peace with it uh, obviously if you're listening obviously you want to be involved they're they're the big games that we we've been associated with over the years so obviously not being involved is is tough um but for me personally i suppose i'm getting a bit of time at home with family and stuff like that so that probably puts into perspective for, for me personally but obviously still very disappointed not to be run out against Dublin now on a sunday in front of a big crowd so um but i'll be watching with a great interest you know um i think any sports fan or guy would be anyone sorry would be crazy not to be tuned into to two good games of the weekend so i'll be definitely keeping a close eye and See how things are going to go progress from there. You're obviously mad to like all Mayo people to cheer on Galway so that somebody from Connacht <laughs> finally wins in All Ireland. Like we've been cheering ye on for the last ten years. No rivalry at all. Sure. I, like I've got so many good good wishes from Galway over the years, so I, I'm really looking forward to that game. <laughs> really looking forward to the game. Is it interesting? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I mean, I suppose because again we play goal as well. Um, you know, we will be watching with interest and, you know, goal, goal are going really well this year. So, I mean, it, w- it will be a keen eye in that from, from our perspective as well, from from, from Team Conic. So, uh, I won't do, say... Do you hope we win? Wise. I do, actually, yeah. You generally hope you do well on Saturday, to be honest, yeah. And, like, I mean, it's always good to see Conic win well represented. Um, if it's not us, you'd like to see someone else do well. Um, although, I say that with a, a heavy heart to a degree, but obviously, I still like to see a Team Conic do, do well, so... Uh, well, I'll ask you about the, the specifics of the matchups in, the, in a moment in that game because, like, it, there are some very interesting battles that need to be fought yeah. if um, Derry are going to get to it. But just to to finish on, on Mayo for a moment, a lot gets made of the fact that you're on the pitch afterwards with uh, with the Kerry jersey and the kids, and everybody's like, "Oh, there you go, that's it, that's the unofficial retirement photograph, that's him taking it all in one last time." Um, I think maybe it's just a photograph of you taking the opportunity to have your kids on the pitch. I don't know. Wait, wait, maybe maybe you can tell us. <laughs> well, like, I mean, it's, it's funny, like, you know, I got a couple of texts and stuff as well. Like, you know, we're finished football in June and I nearly have, what, seven months of reflection time. So, I mean, to jump on the bandwagon like that nearly as quick as people do is probably a bit funny. What I find it funny anyway, like, Joe, um, maybe I've just been written off as well a little bit, maybe age and all that stuff. But, like the other side as well like my kids are sitting in the stand for an hour uh, they're under two years of age Like so you can imagine my poor wife trying to and my in-laws trying to keep them entertained for that amount of time so it's only just nice to get them out for a quick run around um, especially that they came up to support me so I mean yeah it's 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 just a, it's just a nice time for them um, like they don't care about the results or what happened before so then the opportunity to get get my, my my daughters or kids on the pitch is nice. Even to see a couple other guys, you know, get their kids out there is just it's just a nice moment. Um, obviously, 
difficult for myself personally and my my older family to see probably result wise didn't go well but for likes of the kids it's just nice to have them out there put, put things in perspective a bit more sometimes when you see that and just having a bit of crack so um, no all good at the moment Jared. just I suppose it was a nice moment and also I had David Moore in Jersey me, so I, I was swimming at swimming in a little bit so uh, not, that, <laughs> not that David Moore's a, 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 a fat guy or anything but he's, he's quite he's quite taller than me so it looked like he dressed me for a few minutes like. the, 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 the inter-county player of the league at this stage of the year like championships just over um, it's obviously a difficult decision like I I am intrigued as to the pros and cons of going back for another year particularly when it's such a commitment like and as you say your family like you've I mean football is football at the end of the day whereas at the same time you were in an All-Ireland final last year and it could be your one last chance so there must be a lot in your mind as well in terms of weighing it up even in July yeah, absolutely. And I'm not going to sit here and lie about that. Of course, I have to sit down with my, my wife and my other bits of family and see what's best for me. I have to assess my own body, to be honest. Um, I said, there's a few of us in Mayo who were on the goal. This is my 12th year at senior level. So, I mean, I have a good bit of miles uh, build up and I still have to go into a club season with my club Westport as well. So, um, there'll be a lot of hard reflection over the next few months to see where I'm at personally. Um, but also, I suppose I'm at the age as well where I can make it work for myself as well. If it's if it's a thing I want to do, absolutely. Like for me, anyway, I, I've enjoyed the last couple of years playing football. Um, I like I play with a great bit of freedom. Um, and I, I suppose I keep saying that it comes back probably to the family factor. Um, I probably don't look at it as my sole purpose anymore. Uh, I look at it as something that I should be enjoying doing. Um, I like, you know. We're, we're all fit, healthy. I mean, we get to run in Crow Park in front of a thousand people to kick a ball about. So, I mean, it is a bit of fun at the end of the day. So, um, I don't take it as seriously, maybe as, not that I don't take it seriously, but I, I, I look at it from a different perspective from maybe when I was 24, 25, 26 to now that I'm 32 and there's bigger things in life that take priority. Um, so, I mean, I just sometimes go out there, like we train so hard. He said the commitment levels are huge. Like, so, why not just go out and play with a bit of freedom? Um, you know, people always yeah, look back, you know, the way Jack McCaffrey's time playing, he was very, very happy, go lucky. And I kind of just took that approach last year as myself, that this is something we love to do. So why are we taking it as a job? Um, people will always talk and give opinions and all that. But from, from the group perspective, it's just go out and try and perform to the best of your ability and have a bit of fun with it. So, but in, in terms of that, yeah, I'll see how I go on with the Westport club thing like I suppose we've had a lot of exiles in the last probably it was, it was like transfer deadline there on the Monday after we lost to Kerry there was more lads signed up to go to Chicago than I ever seen in my lifetime so um, so again I suppose the club championship's not going to start till September so again we have a massive gap again between now and club championship so it's important now for, for myself personally I'm going to take a bit of downtime um, just get my body right just spend time at home to be honest uh, I feel like I've been uh, a wall probably for for a couple of months during the year, so just catch up with the kids and, and wife and do do bits and pieces, go on holiday or just kick back and do nothing. So I'll uh, I'll enjoy the next couple of months. And then when come club championship. Hopefully I'll have a fresh impetus now to have a bit of fun again. Post COVID with normal life, hopefully returning, and um, fingers crossed that that's the way things stay. The split season hasn't been in properly yet. No, like I don't think anybody has a full idea of what the implications are going to be. But from that perspective, that little downtime an opportunity to refresh the batteries might make it easier to go back next year if you think actually if I do go back it's not the 11 month commitment it'll be uh, it'll be over by June or July uh, at the very latest and um, I don't know I just think that that might feed into players it might actually help elongate some of the careers of players particularly at your stage Oh, Jared, don't write me off either. <laughs> well, I'm, trying not, I'm, tr- I'm trying to do the opposite. You are done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I do. I, do. I, I think I agree. No, no, and I thought about that as well. 
there's there's pros and cons. For me, the pros are absolutely again age profile and years. And I think it's there is definitely a positive reaction to that for myself and personally because I think again you're getting the best of all worlds. You're, you're playing football at a really high level. You're getting your diet time, and then you go into a club season at a high level, and then again you want to get a couple more months. And I suppose. I'm quite lucky that I had good flexibility, especially in James' time, and that I could take probably a couple extra trains off or strip back the workload I was at just so I'm, I'm more prepped then for league games or championship games and get myself as much rest and recovery. So I was quite lucky from that from that uh, aspect. But I suppose the negative is then if you're a team that played two games in championship this year and you're looking at maybe 10 months with no championship football, so you're mm. going literally from league and then you're two championship games, you're out and that's it. So that's probably harder for, for me, personally. It's, it's not as bad because, again, we got to the quarterfinal. Leaving probably Crow Park would probably would have a bit of an itch that we could have done a bit better, a bit more. But, again, I, I know in the group and what we have and what we have to come back as well, there's always going to be that um, reflection that we can do a bit better next year because we have the squad. So we have the squad depth. It's just cleared up injuries and probably getting to a bit, a bit of a flow in terms of performance this year, which we probably never did. We never hit the heights that we wanted to hit. So that, that'll that um, definitely leave an itch for some of the guys now down the stretch of this year, especially for, for next year coming back in. And obviously with James stepping down, new manager coming in, new voice, again, that's another impetus for guys to look at and see how they're going to react to that as well. So there is pros with Jared, definitely, I agree. Um, but probably the, the, the negatives then is teams need more games as well. And I suppose it, next year there is that they're looking at that league basis as well so you're going to get more games so hopefully that that will fulfil maybe that gap as well for, for county teams to get more games from the summer so but I, I do like the Talshan Cup as well I, I've loved I've actually been glued to it since um, we've been knocked out some some great games so I mean if that's going well and that's promoted well as well then there is going to be a really good summer football next year I just I don't think we've got to a flow of it this year yet uh, and like I even hear people on about prices and tickets and the game this Sunday's not so loud I think that all feeds into it as well. That it, it's just the championship hasn't hit the heights that we probably are used to so far. Yeah, and maybe, maybe that'll happen this weekend. One, one last thing: when yeah. when James stepped away, did he do it straight away? Did you guys know straight away that that was the end, or was it a bit of a surprise that it happened so quickly the day after? How, what was that? How did it all unfold? Um, no, we didn't know straight away. Um, I suppose we had a good chat after the game in the change room, and we just kind of reflect on the game itself and. Just probably looked at quarter three in particular where we got back to a point to carry and I kicked about four between four wides and dropped short balls and that was a killer for us then and I suppose Kerry just picked us off in quarter four and the game was a bit of a dead rubber at that stage. So um but nothing about retirements or anything like I suppose like everyone else, James just mentioned he just wanted <laughs> when he said a bit of time to reflect, I didn't know it was gonna be a day time to reflect, but you know, his term was his term was up, so his four years are done. So Probably in the back of a lot of our minds, James was probably done. Um, and we never heard James talk about doing the next year either. So, I mean, like the older guys, well, James has a big family at home, a uh, big job as well. So, like, that's taken up a lot of his time, been involved with us. So, I mean, from family work wise, I'm sure he's under a lot of pressure from that side of things as well. So, probably for James, he was happy with his four, four year term. Obviously, we're going to miss him terribly. Uh, like, I love my time with James, both four years, the first phase and then four years, second phase. And, I suppose James again brought us to two all round finals, the semi final, uh, league final. So positives, as the negatives not winning them. But I mean, you have to look at the progression we've made under James in, in phase two in terms of who he's brought through and the personnel that he's he's brought in, and and that that comes from what we lost from phase one with James, like the Christy Barrett's of this world, Keith Aiken's going to avoid all these guys to bring in the likes of Tommy Conroy, Ryan, Matt Iran. So I mean, 
Mayo is in a good spot in terms of personnel and football, but obviously to see James always in very sad because again, for me and I've grown up with him probably through most of my Mayo career or so. Uh, you saw as well, like German so we German O'Sullivan on yesterday, and um, you know the, I guess their Cork reign sort of ended. When you see the county board like kind of in their in its statement saying like they can hold their heads high, then that obviously kind of means that some people will will, will argue the otherwise. Like, what, have you sympathy for managers? Like, I, I'm thinking back to last year when you've like this personalized almost if not abuse, like extreme criticism of a manager and a particular player or particular players in a in an inter-county game that is still effectively like they're doing it um, as well as a day job. And you get this in, in national papers and so on and the scrutiny and, and that hardship you have to deal with, like you must have a lot of sympathy for him. Um, I do, but I suppose, like James always says, it's funny, like Joe, when you're in the bubble, especially in male football, like there is always going to be a lot of external factors in terms of talk and media and, and, and bits like that. And, it does come with the territory to a degree. Now, I don't agree with it, but um, I think you have to accept it to some extent. But it's funny, when James always talks, it was always, to us anyway, it was always about being in that bubble. And I think James knew firsthand as well what what's out there, what's the, what the word is. And particularly in a football match like Mayo, there's always going to be a diverse opinion, regardless of if you're winning games or losing games. They're never going to be happy with certain aspects of what we do or what we don't do. So listen, that, that comes with the territory very much so. But the great thing about James is, when, and I think I remember listening to Colin Boyne there last week, he mentioned that it's funny, when we went away with games for weekends, it, it just felt like James had us just in a bubble to ourselves and it didn't matter what went on outside that. Um, so that was the key thing that we took away, James, is that he had us believing that weekend that we're going to win. It didn't matter if we were playing a Kerry, a Dublin, Tyrone. It, 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 just, it, it was just the weekend that we got to spend together knowing that we're going to a big match full of confidence because James gives that belief. But I think the backlash probably from last year's final was quite tough um, more so f- because again I suppose we've been in a lot of finals but like there was a massive backlash which I- I'm a weirdo sometimes I just I just tune out to be honest I-, I don't care really what people say I know that's probably a bit harsh but you know I don't get caught up in the whole model of oh you should have done this you know that Tyrone beat us last year because they're better we need to do certain things better to win it we didn't end the story I, I'm very much a closed book black and white if you don't score more than your opponent then you don't deserve to win that's just the nature of sport so um, for me I just I totally switch off then after it I, I just don't see the need to get caught up in all that um, in all that I don't know how to put it negativity because yeah well it's it can be a circus it is and if you do like if you get wrapped up in that then you're going to spend weeks and months and it just takes over like and I have too much things to be doing, to be honest. Um, like, I mean, the best thing for us is we got straight back in the club and it was it was great crack. I got to meet up with a couple of lads, play a few games, have a few beers after games, just enjoy a bit of normal life. And that, like to get caught up in that circus, Jerry, is just, it's not worth it, to be honest. And, and I say this, like it, it was a nationwide thing here. It just took over, like, and I mean, I just, it's just too much important stuff in life to be getting caught up in just one game. Um, and that's just the way I think about it, to be honest. I, th- I think I, like, it feels like Mayo suffer more than most other counties because at, at some point like Dublin had the same circus um, for a period of time but then then they won their All-Ireland and Kerry could easily if they were to lose the game this weekend you could see that circus making a comeback in Kerry like the, the rumours around the Kerry football team in advance of the game with you guys in particular were off the charts they're a bit more yeah. controlled this week for whatever reason I don't know what the difference is maybe um, maybe it's, it's Dublin it's a Dublin game because I think it, I think in Kerry they probably seen us as maybe the game they wanted although we, we target that game to win absolutely but I think with the Dublin game it's probably they, they, they're particularly supporters probably seen as a 50-50 kind of game because again you have to look 
look at the Kerry double supposedly rivalry and I, I can't call it rivalry yet because it was similar to us in Dublin we hadn't beaten Dublin since 12 Kerry haven't beaten Dublin since 09 championship so until they get that monkey at their back they're, they're going to be judged on that probably from, from the Dublin game aspect what, what defeat were you most what defeat were you lowest after as a Mayo player so far uh, 17 All-Ireland so like why would is, is last year then that you're just at a different place in your life because last year you're kind of fairly heavy favourites actually and like I mean there are a lot of regrets there so why what had changed in the five in the four years um, I think the answer for me is just different perspective of life Um it's funny what kids can do to you like as in <laughs> it's just your outlook of life it's, it's just totally different um, and I know that sounds mad like, and I just, like, just to clarify I, <laughs> I was still very low after the game last year because obviously we want to win it but my focus has to change quite fast going home I, I don't have the five days of drinking to <laughs> make up for it or whatever or to sit in a dark corner and cry about it I, I, like, I just have to be going up about it and you know get back to my day-to-day routine is the kids are important. My wife needs help at home. There's other things that I need to get back to work. You know, like I don't, I can't feed my kids without money coming in. Like, so I mean, I have to do well in my job as well to make sure that there's an income, price of life, all this kind of stuff kicks in. Where in 17, I didn't have that, I suppose, the real life stuff going on as in like, I didn't have a house built. I didn't have kids. I wasn't married. I I was with my partner, absolutely. But I mean, our focus was football and we could go and enjoy it after. But, I just think we're in a different place then where, as I mentioned earlier, my, my probably more of my focus was switched to football, football, football at that time, where now it's, it's it takes a backward step now and, and the kids and all that, the house take more priority. So that's probably the difference between 17 then to last year. But no defeat gets any easier after all that. It is very, it is very difficult. You see, you see the group and is as disappointed and inconsolable as they are but I suppose I, I've been around long enough now to, to help those guys uh, the old guys so I, I just I, I knew what was coming once the final whistle went so for me to kind of I suppose react the way I was in 17 when I was down the ground crying versus last year where you just have to accept it sometimes the reality of life is you don't get that Cinderella story um, <clears throat> you have to be realistic about it and, and Tyrone were just better than us last year and I know that's very hard to hear but they were and they, they just did more better stuff to us on the day where in 17, I just thought we, we put in a brilliant game plan, did nearly everything right, bar kick that final score. <laughs> Do you know, like, so it's just a little, it's a little inches, a little nuggets that, that get you over the line. And, and unfortunately, we just haven't got there yet. Um, I, I still believe fully that the, they will get there. There's no issue with that. But that's the difference between probably 17. Where they, they are we now. It's got to be we. We, we, we. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. We, I meant we. <laughs> um, you still have a so chance that, next year. Like, Mayo were like... Mayo are, are not far off people will just write them off you're not actually far off in an open championship so it's got to be we I think for you anyway sorry I meant we positive <laughs> I, I correct myself it's just I don't want the perception out there so well, like, that's he said they I meant we me, me, me included but like the perception out there is like you know like this, our, our age profile is very good like Joe there's only a few of us that are in our 30s like so I mean the profile is quite good age-wise in Mayo and then the talent come through is very good like even our minors and all our finalists this Friday you have another four or five guys that could excel then accelerate from that time the next two or three years to be brought up to the group you have the 20s that were in a kind of finalist here granted didn't win but again we, we have guys that are doing their stuff underage so that's only boding well for what we need in the future so and then you have the likes of Tommy injured this year Ryan didn't get enough game time championship you know guys just to get a run of form I mean the door, like there is ample opportunities for us there to progress again next year granted that we just get our performance a bit higher and probably from 
especially probably from the before league final, it was very much soft start because we we had a lot of injuries going on. Not that it's an excuse, there's no excuse for that, but I mean, it was very hard to get into a flow of getting a team picked week in, week out because we weren't sure if Kai was going to be available from injury or what the situation was. So I, I, I don't think, I do reach, I don't think we're far away at all. Just getting that extra percent or two, you're right next year. Um, the games this weekend, to, to get your thoughts on that briefly, right? The star, I think, uh, reported that there's a hairline fracture issue. We don't know which part of his body for Conor Callahan. <laughs> but um, if that's the case and if he's missing, that's big enough to swing this game back in Kerry's favour. Or is it? Is, is, is he that important to, to Dublin at the moment, do you think? Um, I believe he is, absolutely. I like. I think the difference in Dublin's performance, I, I don't even look at Dublin's league performance. Like, I don't think that that even comes into into play. I just think if you look at, I know, and again, Leinster, it can be a bit of a dead rubber as well, but if you look at the difference the way Dublin played with Con playing and James McCarthy, they're different beasts altogether. So, I do think it's a huge factor going into Sunday's game. <clears throat> and no more than David Kiffer playing Sunday. I know he got all, all clear today, so you're, you're talking about guys of that quality that are going to bring probably the extra percent or two that I was mentioned earlier to get them over the line. So, I probably does give Kerry the, the upper hand but the only thing is Dublin been Dublin no had to be carrying and they've done it for so long so again if Khan is there or not they'll, they'll prep for that well I just I think with Khan playing for Dublin they were they were far more direct in what they were doing then the play against Cork I felt they went back to a little bit of default it, it probably again not to mention but their league form they were kind of playing around the edges a little bit but with Khan there he gives them a, a huge focal point uh, and especially I think as well the way Ty Morley sets up for Kerry he, he does drop back a lot so if Colin plays that nearly occupies two lads and it gives the likes of Kieran Kenny or some of these guys a bit more free time on the ball. Yeah, and, and that's that like that's what we're talking about here. One of those injuries, because the season is so condensed and it's knockout at the weekend, one of these injuries can actually decide the destination of, of the title this year. Um, speaking of um, Dublin, we, I think Massey Quinn did the, the last game for us here and in the aftermath of it, he was saying that, in his opinion, you're now going down as the greatest male footballer of all time. You know, we were saying earlier, Irish people are not great at taking compliments, so we're going to embarrass you here with this. But is is something like that a motivation for you to like keep going and and like continue to drive standards that you're in that bracket and you're in that conversation? Um, uh, thanks, Marcy. Yeah. <laughs> um, geez, uh, I, I suppose it's like the Irish culture. We, do, we don't do compliments very well. Uh, well, it's good to hear that be in that conversation. Um, I suppose that the one word I did take is standards and that's I suppose that was probably my biggest mindset when I first came into Mayo was that I, I felt that our standards weren't there and I was quite young when this happened but like I felt the culture within Mayo was very much you know we might get to a final every so often and that that's acceptable or we might challenge four or five years at a time and go away for four or five years and, and I, when I first came in my mindset was just bring an aggression bring a bring an edge um and just bring kind of an attitude that we're going to win at all costs type thing. And I was lucky that I wasn't the only one that came through with that group. There was there was a core group that came through at the same time, and we're all nearly on the on the same page. So I think the standard thing I, I love and associate to a degree because I think if you're setting standards, guys that come from years after follow that standard. So um, to be in that kind of conversation bracket, I love more so than probably even calling the greatest of whatever it is. To be honest, I think. I think if I, I once I got my standards right and my mindset right for for the group of four and, and they respect that and, and I think they do um, I think that's a greater appreciation to, to myself firstly than anything else. 
Yeah, I've no doubt um, whatever happens next, the phone call will be made fairly early on to try and get you on board for next season. And it sounds like you're relatively open to that, to be honest, at this stage. So last question for you here. The Talton Cup, you, you said you've been glued to it. What's going to happen in the final? Because this is um, one of those very close 50-50 games, hard to call. Yeah, um, I suppose the thing I was kind of laughing at was that this Sligo Cavan game, and particularly semi final, is that, you know, and Cavan are rightly massive favourites, but I, I love the way, and I know Tony McIntyre well, obviously, been involved. I just, I, I think that underdog type thing suits him very well, and, and I think it showed a lot of vulnerabilities in, in Cavan's game plan. Um, and then, obviously, the flip side then is I think Westmead are hugely impressive against Offaly, um, although Offaly be very disappointed with themselves. I know I was very intrigued how Ronald Toole played the last day um, <clears throat> excuse me I played against him in, in a, a league game last year and again he was very impressive that game so I think it's going to be a really intriguing game uh, I still think Calvin probably based on where they've come from uh, and the group of players they have they probably have enough experience to get over the line uh, the way Gareth Kern is playing, uh, playing and this team I don't know just with other teams are very hard to break down in, in, in Crow Park so I, I do have a feeling um, Cavan will probably nip them and I have to say that because I grew up in Cavan as well so um, I don't want to be vilified totally um, but I, ha- I have ju- I honestly been glued to I think the game's been cracking to be honest I think it's the only thing I'd love to see with the Tajik Cup is instead of provincial or regional draws I'd just love to see an open draw I, I think yeah. some of the games you get would be absolutely insanely good like I just I didn't like the regional draws I just think it threw up too many similar teams playing each other in, in provincial. I, I think if you had an open draw, <clears throat> you'd be looking at teams that have never come across each other playing totally different styles and brands of football. I think you get some absolute crackers again. So I think that would be definitely a helpful addition to the Talish Cup next year. But I think the final is going to be really good in Saturday. And I, I love the way it's, it, I, I think it does need more highlighting and promotional um, avenues as well. I think like we're looking at some of the best players in the country playing this in, in these games. So I think it, it's really important we get we get the right information to the Talish Cup but it also give more appeal to the people as well and I hope a good few people go to the game and start to see what's on show and what's on offer um, because it's, a, it's as big as a game as the semi-finals essentially because the prize is they're back in San Aguirre next year so I mean that's that's a huge um, motivation for those two teams 100% Lee enjoy whatever's next and thanks a million for joining us this morning cheers Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a nice day. Okay. there. Uh, interesting stuff. I think he's dead right about the Talton Cup as well, by the way. 15 great, minutes. Great to hear that. Yeah, yeah. He's coming back next year. 100%. Yeah. Just still not entirely sure he's supporting Galway doing the All Ireland, though. Uh, it's like, I'll be intrigued by the game. I'll be watching uh, the game. I'll uh, be very interested in the game. Uh, Mayo, see, Mayo people, like, they've, they've gone to, they've made, like, a million trips to Crow Park. We, like, haven't at all since 2001. We won, like, one game, uh, afterwards in 20, was it 17? So we just went through a famine. Don't really know Crow Park that well anymore. And we might just rock up and do it, like, just like that. Then again, we might not. But it is interesting. Galway Mayo stuff, like, some people love Mayo in Galway some people don't really love Mayo and it is what it is it's what it is Connacht haven't done it in a long time OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish today here's what's on OTB Sports Radio today you can listen to OTB Sports Radio on the sports app or on your smart speaker just say OTB or Alexa play OTB Sports Radio and away you go um OTB Goal at 1 o'clock is Ray Boom Boom Mancini if you haven't heard that interview it's sensational that's at 1 State of the Union is Keith Woods Rugby Show Retro Panel is preparing for the boxing ring and OTB Gold is Jerry Eisenberg talking about Muhammad Ali and then the show is live tonight from 7 with Nathan Murphy in the hot seat you can follow us on our social channel subscribe on YouTube and um, you can get the latest on our podcast network as well after these we're going to continue our build up to the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship semi-finals this time focusing on the dubs alongside former Dublin footballer Ger Brennan see you then OTB 
AM. 17 minutes past nine, you're watching OTB AM this morning now. We're delighted to be joined by former Dublin minor footballer Ger Brennan as he previews the Electric Ireland GA Minor Football Championship. It's between Galway and Mayo on uh, Friday, July the 8th. That's tomorrow. Tickets for the match, which throws in at 7.15pm in Dr Hyde Park, are available for purchase at ga.ie forward slash tickets. TG Carr will air the match live with coverage starting at 6.45pm. Ger, good morning. How are you getting on? Chair, good morning. All good. How's things with you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, if the minor football final is anything like the minor hurling final with the full house at Nolan Park, then we're in for a bit of a cracker. I think I think it is going to be close to full house. There seems to be huge interest in these minor games. And I'm just thinking back to uh, 2003, Chair. We lost out to Leash. Uh, we bet them in Leinster and the Leinster final. They drew with us in the All-Ireland uh, final in Crow Park. And the replay was two weeks later in a packed out Dr. Cullen Park in Carlo. And I remember the atmosphere was unbelievable with the tight ground and the pitch and everything else. And I think we've seen that in, in, in Nolan Park between Offaly and, and, and Tip in the minor hurling final. And uh, no doubt we're going to get the same again. Uh, Mayo are great supporters, as we know. And it's been uh, a long time uh, since probably God we were pushing on to try and win uh, in all Ireland at, at any grade. So uh, uh, I think it's going to be well packed, well, well attended. It is funny, isn't it? Because there was definitely a, a group who were like, "Oh, you know, you're you're taken away from the minors by not having them before the uh, the All Ireland final." And actually, it doesn't really at all. It, it it turns it into its own thing, and it makes it special for the the counties who are involved, and it probably makes it cheaper to bring families, and so therefore, you know, free from the connection to the third Sunday in September or the first Sunday in September, it's actually better. Yeah, the, there's probably a couple of schools that talk on it, Chair. <clears throat> there's a, probably traditionalists who, 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 who would love to see uh, the game being played in Crow Park for the senior final. The um, uh, experience that that brings as a, as a, as a young guy uh, to tie it in Crow Park, it's obviously second to none. But then at the same time, what you described there, um, having it in a, a, a more local uh, setting, uh, a county ground, it brings its own atmosphere and it'll be a special occasion regardless of where it's played. But sometimes the minor final, the, that atmosphere, the support, the tension that's in the crowd, that can be lost in Crow Park, probably up until the latter stages of, uh, of, of the minor final, until the uh, senior crowds start coming in. So uh, uh, we, we certainly weren't let down last weekend and I don't think we'd be let down this uh, tomorrow night in Dr. Hyde Park either. Let's talk about the, the Dubs and Kerry then on Sunday. Um, let's assume that Dublin don't have Con. What is their... What, what can they possibly do to fix that in a way that's going to challenge Kerry and make them think twice? Because, like, D- Dublin will have known the crack with Con, I'd say, probably from before the last game, about whether or not he's going to be available for this game. And um, in the league, they looked completely rudderless without him. They were sensational against Kildare with him. They were grand without him against Cork. They'll need to be better than grand if they're going to be Kerry. So what can they do if they don't have him? It, it, I, I, I don't think they'll probably go away from the, the, their, their structured play, Chair. Uh, what's, what's been evident in the uh, Leinster campaign in particular, probably not so much against Cork. It was, it, it was a bit, I guess, workman-like v Cork. They probably knew they were going to go over the line. But um, for me, one of the cogs that was probably missing, and um, we haven't mentioned him too much, was... James McCarthy's presence uh, in the middle of the pitch uh, for Dublin uh, when he plays in that middle eight, James uh, as a leader and captain and an and experienced player, he'll be communicating to fellas to push on, pick up the tempo, let's drive forward. We're messing around with the ball here, 
and he actually sets a lot of standards and what's good about Dublin and I think if James is there uh, his presence would help quite a lot but I think what we will see whether Connor starting or, or he's not there you, you will see the Dublin forwards retreat back uh, behind their own half of the pitch and they try to break forward at pace uh, create overlaps create a bit of confusion get in behind the carry defence and try to catch them on the break and uh, I think that'll be their modus operandi for, for, for most of the game if they get an opportunity on opposition kickouts, uh, chair, they, they will step up, they will try to squeeze, uh, force turnovers there from the Kerry's backs. But um, uh, that, that breaking from defence uh, in numbers is, is something that you're likely to see on Sunday, regardless whether they can't start or not. The performance that we've seen from this Kerry team has been different from previous years where there's been a significant concentration and not conceding goals and Paddy Talley's mm. getting a lot of credit for that so this could actually be quite a low scoring game in some ways Like we, these games have been like classics and high scoring whenever they've met uh, over the best part of the last decade but should we expect something slightly different this weekend? Yeah um, <clears throat> the, 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 there's something romantic about Dublin Kerry fixtures and despite the, the, the tactical preparations that players will put into it managers put into it going going into the game and if you look at the evidence of, of, of how Dublin and the Kerry have performed this year um, sometimes a Dublin Kerry fixture can take on uh, a life of its own and, and and we've had six wonderful fixtures uh, between Dublin and Kerry going back to 2011 um, I think the way Kerry have been playing and, 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 and I probably mentioned this talk to a couple of people I'm obviously down in Moorfield at the moment and a few of the Clare people if you Look back to Jack O'Connor managing for there in the Leinster final last year. He was quite defensive against Dublin. He kept him competitive, but it seemed to me that Jack didn't have enough confidence in his uh, offensive players to be able to push on and ask more questions of of, uh, of of Dublin on that occasion. But what he does have now, and with the greatest respect to the Galair players, he has a higher quality, more naturally gifted set of forwards who will be able to take their men on create overlaps and cause a lot of uh, hardship for uh, for their markers so I can see Jack O'Connor setting up similarly to the way he set up against Dublin when he's managing Kerry last year uh, there last year but he just knows that he has better ball players inside I think what Paddy Talley has done and, and, and again Kerry they've only played is it maybe three games this year in the championship there they're uh, three or four they're, 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 they, they haven't conceded a goal yet year so that's testament to that defence, but you also to look at the quality of opposition they've been playing uh, outside of Mayo, who are, I suppose, a bit of a dwindling star uh, at this stage. Uh, they need a bit of rejuvenation there. But uh, outside of Mayo, they haven't had any strong opposition, but the fact that they're keeping a clean sheet <clears throat> is quite strong. Um, it's, it's very evident to me that Tyg Mori is playing, playing that holding six role quite well. He, he's very comfortable dropping back, given his, his full back line. Uh, a bit of help but he doesn't tend to venture too often beyond his own half of the field and he is that bit of a an anchor in the in the carry defence and he's allowing the rest of the guys to take off up the field and you're seeing uh, I, I think the carry's full back line contributed four points from play uh, against against Mayo in the um, in the last round so I think we'll see something like that again uh, the weekend uh, obviously Jerry you're saying like the, the Cork game they kind of knew they were going to get over the line but like well they're not like that first half when Cork like Cork scored at relative will at times against Dublin I thought Dublin defensively didn't look didn't look that sharp at all like is that a concern for you what do you make of the Dublin defence? 
Yeah, well, it, it's a bit shaky at the moment. Uh, I fully agree. The I think the lack of what would you call it, bite or energy or decisiveness uh, uh, that Dublin didn't have uh, v Cork that they, they they certainly demonstrated in the um, uh, three rounds of Leinster that probably wasn't there. But it's it, it's been the question has been asked numerous times. If you're hitting quick early ball into the Dublin full back line. Or long diagonal ball, it is asking questions of them more often than not, and it's something that Desi Farrell and, and, and the defenders of, of Dublin will certainly be worried about. Um, Owen Morton, I would I, I would assume will 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 probably hang back there a bit more to to, to help out. I can see Michael Fitzsimons taking up David Clifford um, to give him a hand, but Johnny Cooper has also been trying to play that role too. You know, Johnny hasn't managed to, to, to find that form um, that we know he has. He's been struggling with knocks over the years and he's been coming off and on in games um, most of the season. So, so that's probably a bit of, of a concern there in terms of having that consistency in your back six. Uh, one plus would probably be David Bourne come on the weekend uh, in the quarter final. So he's a hugely experienced player. Whether he has enough in the tank to start uh, to get a good 40, 50 minutes out of him, uh, I don't know. But if he is playing, he, he will help settle the defensive there but uh, it definitely is an issue the way Kerry and certainly Jack O'Connor likes to play football they're working the ball uh, to the opposition 65 and their first option is head up football the whole time they're looking to kick it in kick it into the pockets diagonal ball one hop into the forward's chest uh, very difficult to mark um, you, you have to make a decision as a defence whether you step up to put pressure on the ball coming in but if one guy slips and makes a mistake, uh, that means there's buckets of space inside. And uh, I don't care who you are. Um, if you're marking the likes of David Clifford or Paul Gini, uh, Stephen O'Brien, all these wonderful curry footballers, Paddy Clifford, they're, they're extremely difficult to mark uh, in a one-on-one situation when they have 90-odd metres of width uh, and space in Crow Park, you know? Do, yeah. do, do Dublin still have like the scars of last of the Mayo game and the scars of, of the league? And I know it's the league, the league is the league, but like when you, the first four games and you have what, that collapse against Mayo last year, I, I just like, if Dublin are four or five points down in this game with 10 minutes left, like I, I don't know, would you have any faith in them having the psychological nows to get through it, like? I I, I I I would have faith, but I I will be worried based on the evidence that we've seen this season in particular. It it it's it's hasn't um, again outside of those three Leinster games, and 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 I know look at the back court, but was it, I think it was maybe three points in it at half time, and, and and Dublin just pushed on in the second half. But um, uh, you know outside of the three Leinster uh, uh, games, you know Dublin probably wouldn't fill you with, with a huge amount of confidence. In, in, in terms of how they've been playing uh, it's been quite incohesive uh, in comparison to previous years but I guess you have to look at the standards that they set in those previous years <clears throat> winning six All-Irelands it was going to come to a, an end at some times uh, at some time and uh, uh, disappointing as a dub that we lost to, to Mayo we don't like losing to Mayo or 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 Kerry uh, or in particular but uh, these things happen in that sport but it, it it is a question that the lads will definitely discuss amongst themselves that you know people feel that we mightn't have the bottle anymore that we don't have it in the bellies will we be able to push on and fight back and claw back if uh, if we're uh, down by a couple of points going into the latter stages of the game um, I think if Khan doesn't play and I know we touched on it briefly beforehand uh, we're at a, a huge deficit going into the match and and, and I think it probably will be too much for us to to be able to get over the line because um 
the 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 quality of bench that Dublin have at the moment is uh, wouldn't be as superior as the Kerry bench in the in my view at this stage. Certainly from a forwards perspective, it, there will mm. be a bit of depth there. If, let's assume James McCarthy starts. Um, that means somebody's dropping out. Is it is it straight like for like? Does he go in midfield and Tom Lehiff drops out, or is it one of the defenders? And then all of a sudden you you could have Johnny Cooper in reserve you could have David Byrne in reserve as well so if somebody is getting a roasting in that first half from one of those uh, luxuriously talented forwards that Kerry have you can make a change um, from a forward yeah. perspective that depth isn't there No it's definitely it's definitely not as strong as, as it was in previous years the Clark and Odell is a, um, an up and coming footballer he's still very young um, I, I, I I probably start Lorcan um, I know Niall Scully was coming in for a lot of the games um, whether Niall was carrying a bit of knock he, he, I'm not sure but he was certainly have a bit of form but uh, I would probably look and I was half thinking in my head was Desi maybe preempting what's coming later down the track with, with holding Niall back and bringing him in during the Leinster campaign because he wanted to finish with a bit more experience and uh, his strongest team Jer uh, I don't know but I Lorcan O'Dell just wouldn't have that explosiveness when you look at what Kev Mack used to do for us um, coming in, uh, he used to cause all sorts sort of fear and trepidation in the carry defence. And, and Lorcan O'Dell just wouldn't be at that level yet. Will he get there? I don't know. But um, it, it is a a huge, um, what do you call it, a huge weakness, but it is certainly uh, uh, a chink in Dublin's armour at the moment, despite... Daisy's best efforts to try to blood players, the the, the the quality of player that we have been blessed to see come through Dublin over the last 10, 15 years, uh, that conveyor belt uh, isn't there in terms of out and out natural talents, uh, the work, uh, um, the effort and the commitment and the dedication of guys is certainly there uh, in, in, in trying to push on and represent Dublin at senior level. But that natural quality is something that you do need as well. And at the moment, we don't have it there. Um, if, if James is, is is fit to start, I'd, I, I'd throw him in the half-back line myself. I, I think I'd probably hold Johnny back. I think Tom Lehiff has really progressed on. Uh, he's starting, he's, he's having his best season so far. He's only had a couple so far with Dublin. But um, he, where Tom has improved greatly for me, <clears throat> his contribution with Dublin have the ball has really stepped up. I felt as a as a middle late player, predominantly him playing midfield or wing forward. Sometimes he, he, the game was passing a bit when Dublin had the ball. He was working very hard off it and doing very well defensively. But now he's added that bit of offensive link man play, taking a couple of scores himself, uh, um, and he has that youthfulness and that bit of fitness uh, as well. Which um, it'd be it'd be disappointing for him if he, if he was to miss out. You know, I think the midfield battle. I think it'll be a great battle because uh, uh, David Moran seems to uh, pretty good himself. Yeah. yeah, he's playing some great yeah. stuff. And I know Jack O'Connor mentioned in his post game interview the last day. You know, they had kind of had, had David tagged for maybe three quarters of the game, uh, and they pull him out to keep things fresh in the, in, in the engine room. But uh, Moran pushed on, and, and uh, uh, he, he was playing like a. Is he what had to go to thirty five uh, at this stage? He was playing like a twenty five year old. Yeah. In there, so and and and, and Darren O'Connor, I've seen him up close uh, with the colleges, and uh, he, he he's really impressive. I like him, and there's a lovely bit of bite in as well. So I think it'd be a nice midfield battle. Uh, whether it's a James in there uh, with Fenton, uh, but more than likely Tom Lehiff in there with Fenton against those two lads. So all right, Jar, enjoy the game again. Thanks a million for joining us this morning. Cheers. Cheers, lads. God bless. Bye bye. Said Jar Brennan there. A reminder that the Electric Ireland GA Minor Football Championship final between Galway and Mayo takes place tomorrow night. Tickets. 
uh, which throws in for the game which throws in 7.15 are available for purchase at ga.ie forward slash tickets and the game is live on TG Car with coverage starting at 6.45 the breaking political news is that Boris Johnson will resign as Conservative leader of the uh, the Tories so yeah people did vote him in is this a big surprise uh, is it a big surprise that they eventually got him the ch- thing is, as soon as, as soon as there's a vote of no confidence, you survive that. Yeah, and then, but, but the blood is in the water, and the sharks begin to gather, and then they they find something to catch on. Now, I mean, why have one scandal when you can have two dozen? Like, well, it's true. It's true. A comically inept leader, and the British people who voted him in need to look at themselves because they did vote for him. Let's not forget that. They oh, voted he, he, for his point yesterday when it looked like he he's overwhelming find, majority. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's true. They, they, they voted for Donald Trump in the US and they voted for Boris Johnson in the UK yeah, like if you vote for this crap that you don't deserve any better being honest in my view I think I think you've got a, you've got a point there so um, his legacy is going to be interesting to debate exactly and it's, I, I, is there is there a bit where they wake up from the fever dream and go oh oh or is this just the beginning of is he he's just now a gateway to hell for everybody else who comes after him is going to be even worse well the conser- like look at his look at the um, subordinates in the conservative party like they're they're not exactly a bunch of impressive individuals and labor isn't even vaguely left wing anymore so like what are what are your choices in the uk um uh, i guess your choices are between competent people who are interested in in trying to make things better and uh, people who are out for as much as they can possibly get for themselves that seems to be the choice at and the they moment. voted for the latter the last time uh, it, it, which is bizarre isn't it <laughs> well yeah it it is bizarre uh, so look we we'll, we we'll wait great for irish football though uh, wait for it Brexit, Brexit has been football. and will and will continue to be irrespective of, of what happens but um this this man literally hid in a freezer to avoid a question by a journalist before the last election and he was voted in in a relative landslide if, if, if that's what you wish for your electorate go ahead they voted for him he hid in a fridge uh, I don't know what it's going to mean for the protocol and I don't know what it's going to mean for the north but it's going to be which Liz Truss like she has all that under control it's going to be interesting to see exactly who they go for because you know uh, at least I don't know there is no at least but when you always think you've reached rock bottom that's not true there's always something that could be even worse than this mm. so I wait with bated breath to see the um, the big beasts of the Conservative Party lining up to take the role and it's, it's not an obvious it's like a 5-1 to one the field at the moment cause maybe they, they um, maybe they need to have an election mm. um, who knows 9.36 that's the breaking news you'll get more of that live coverage on News Talk I'd say across the rest of the day OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish your day tomorrow Owen's back in the hot seat alongside Dan McDonald. We'll preview Derry ahead of the All-Ireland Football semi-finals. Joined by Neve Briggs and Gordon Darcy ahead of the second test New Zealand. And of course, GA Quick Picks and the Crappy Quiz. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.